Ladies and gentlemen, we, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. Wow. Uh, welcome, folks, to, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, we're coming to you live from Marino Television Studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Uh, it, it, again, like O.J. Simpson at the airport, remember those old commercials? Pop went over the, uh, the luggage and people. That was me. It's It's like I can't tell time. I don't know. Now, folks, we broadcast live each and every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Todd, thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate uh, uh, you carrying our program, as well as BTR, Blog Talk Radio, and, of course, YouTube Live. I want to just warmly thank everyone for, for tuning in. And, again, we ask that uh, if you're listening to this via, well, whatever platform you might be listening to this program on, we ask that you... Click the subscribe button on YouTube. That does elevate us. It elevates our visibility. It does a lot of things because there, there's a lot of censorship taking place out there. Um, and it's interesting. So the, uh, so we ask for you to do that. Portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by Casper. How did you sleep last night? Casper mattresses are the best mattresses bar none. And I'll tell you what, our family, the Hagman family, we use Casper mattresses. Even Lady, the studio dog, she's got her own Casper bed. That's right. Not too spoiled, right? Visit Casper.com slash CFP radio. That's Casper.com slash CFP radio. And for full details, we've got a special offer there for you. More on that later. Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, Let's, uh, we, we got a great show planned for you tonight. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Let's, uh, let's get things rocking and rolling here. Yeah, we have a, a fantastic show. Um, joining us now is, is Lynn Liaz. Um, her website is Freedom, Freedom Nation News, freedomnationnews.com, as well as lynnliaz.com, as that is also the title for her YouTube channel. Um, Ms. Liaz, welcome to the Hagman Report. Be to be on your show. Great to have you. Indeed it Thank is. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, I've been looking forward to it. And, and How are those, you guys doing tonight? Very well. And and for those who don't know mm-hmm. who you are, um, of course, you're a journalist, a, a radio show producer and host author, contributed to just a number of alternative media or independent media uh, and opinion sites, including your own site, of course, Freedom Nation News. And your YouTube channel reaches nearly, uh, you've got 120,000 subscri- subscribers. It's, you're one of the leading channels on very, various topics. Uh, well done. Well done. So that's kind of an introduction to the, to the listeners who have not heard, um, heard of you. And I can't believe we have anybody in that realm. So, but, uh, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Yes, and the Lord has really blessed me. I recently moved up to 136,595 subscribers. So it's a blessing to be able to reach so many people with the truth when 
so many things are happening in the world prophetically, and I'm trying to reach out to people and warn them that time is short and warn them to get ready and to repent and to get their houses in order. And it's very hard. It's a hard job being a watchman, uh, you know, warning people of what's coming. You get a lot of uh, crud for doing that from from your watered-down Christianity that's going around today and corrupting the church. So that's been my biggest message is repentance and the corrupted body of Christ. Lynn, you know, this is an interesting topic with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. You had mentioned uh, the, the, the crud that comes from being a watchman. And this is one of the topics that I, that irritates me the most. Um, we, you know, Joe and I, we're not pastors. We're, I'm an investigator by, by profession, 30 years in, 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 as a career investigator, multi-state licensed in the private sector. And, and uh, so, so I mean, that, that's my background. Um, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. Neither is Joe. But we consider ourselves watchmen. Um, is that, I mean, the term watchman, when you, when you say watchman, is there a biblical distinction to the term watchman, or can watchman encompass people like us? Well, in the Bible, in the book of Ezekiel, and I don't have that passage in front of me, but it specifically talks about a watchman and about how they're called to warn the people. And if the watchman knows to warn and does not warn, then the blood of those people will be on their hands. However, if the watchman obeys God and warns the people, but the people reject the warning, then their blood is not on his or her hands. And it's amazing. God is really calling a lot of true watchmen in this hour to warn the people that judgment is here. And we have reached the end of this age as we know it and that things are going to start happening. Now, people are always asking me, what do you mean by soon? Because I always say soon. And I have to tell them, you know, all I know is there is an urgency in my heart. Only God knows what soon is. But I can only imagine if he's placing that urgency in so many people's hearts that it is going to be very soon. What, next year in a few months? I have no idea. But... You know, in the message I just put out on my YouTube channel, I warned people. It was a message God gave me um, about things that are coming. And I told people, you know what? I wouldn't play around with your eternity. It's time to get right with God. And it's time to start uh, showing people how to get saved and telling people the truth of Jesus Christ. And if you're living in outright blatant sin and disobedience, it's time to repent. But the problem is the church isn't telling the truth. They're watering it down. So people are leaving church feeling good. They're not feeling convicted. And you have to be convicted. And that's the devil's whole plan because where there is no conviction, there is no repentance. Where there is no true repentance, there is no true salvation. And then people are just thinking their sin is okay and living in it and not repenting and truly turning to Jesus Christ. You're, no, that's exactly right, and that's a, a great assessment of what we see in the in the churches today, and um, it spans through a number of denominations, and um, it seems to be that what people want, because people are continuing to flock to these churches, uh, as you described, where there is no uh, conviction of sin. Um, Lynn, do you believe that this is adding uh, 
a layer of spiritual deception throughout our, our country? Oh, most definitely. People are very deceived. I can't tell you the amount of commentators on my YouTube channel that they won't come out and say it, but basically what they're stating in a roundabout way is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could continue sinning and just go to God and say, oh, I'm sorry, but keep doing it. Now, we're all guilty of sin. We make mistakes. I'm not talking about that type of sin. I'm talking about this purposeful disobedience to God and just purposefully living in sin and choosing not to turn away from that sin. You know, when we get saved, you know, we get a new heart and we get a new mind and we're supposed to be trying to have like the mind of Christ and to think with the mind of Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. And so the messages being preached from the pulpit today is the feel-good message. And people go home and they just live the way they want to live. They might say a prayer once in a while or go to church on Sunday, if that. And they do everything else that they're not supposed to be doing that really upsets God. And I sense that God is very unhappy with the body of Christ right now because of this watered-down Christianity. In fact, I always call it the uh, New Age Woodstock hippie Jesus make love not war crowd because that's what they, they, they serve this Jesus that they think basically is, you know, like this new age happy go lucky Jesus that says it's okay to sin. Just tell me you're sorry by the end of the night. And that's what they think. And it's sad. It is sad. Um, the preachers who, what do you think the reason is that the preachers continue to, to preach a watered down, um, alternative to the Bible message, is it because it keeps continues to bring people back? Is it because they don't want to offend people? What have you seen uh, while looking at this issue? I think there's quite a few reasons. Number one, I think money is an issue. Number two, I think that they're afraid to offend anybody. We have this whole political correctness going on in the church today. They're afraid of offending. They don't want to have confrontations with anyone. And I also think a lot of them are not knowledgeable in in times prophecy. They are knowledgeable about the feel-good message, the love message. But when it comes to your um, end times Bible prophecy, the book of Revelation, Daniel, and so forth, they just aren't really knowledgeable in that. They don't spend a lot of time in it. I agree. Uh, Joe and I both agree, by the way. Let me ask you something, Lynn. Uh, I watched your warning, repentance warning, earlier today. What do you think is coming? What do you think is coming? I don't know, but it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) I think that God God is fed up, and I can't tell you how much criticism and trolling comments I got on that video, even from Christians who said I was wrong because I used the word angry, and hate in reference to God, stating that, uh, you know, God hates the sin. I never said God hated people. And that God was very angry with this corrupt church. And it's totally biblical. I'd back you, know, you God, up on that. Yeah, God's anger and, you know, all of those things are all perfectly biblical. But people disregard the Old Testament God. And he's the same God. Okay, 
I look at the Bible like this. We look at it from Genesis to Revelation. It starts, of course, with creation and God's judgment. Then we go in and we see the God of love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness through Jesus. Yep. But then it ends with God's judgment again. And so all these Christians that forget about the Old Testament and the God of judgment, I remind them, okay, so let's just look at the New Testament then. Okay. What about the book of Revelation? You know what that's, what do you make of that? Well, I don't understand it. You know, they don't understand or they come up with some excuse. And I'm just trying to help people so that they're not taken by surprise. People don't understand that God's judgment is one of the most profound examples of his love. We look at it as scary and horrible, but in actuality, judgment is what leads to repentance and saves the eternal soul. God cares more about our eternity than he does this physical life that we live here, but for a moment on this earth. Amen. And, and you're exactly right. It's interesting, uh, the, uh, the judgment, the, the, um, well, the whole patriarchal nature of God and our existence versus what we see the matriarchal uprising, which is, a, I, I know I'm kind of going on a sidetrack here, um, but that's okay. Uh, it, it's just, all of this is interesting and it kind of goes back to my question, you know, what do you see coming? And, and, but now to incorporate your response, uh, with respect to the Old and New Testament and the judgment and such, um, uh, you know, I, I look at the, I look at the geographical or, uh, geopolitical spectrum, look across the geopolitical spectrum, and I see we've got so many problems. But one of the biggest problems I see is the lack of solidarity among Christians or self-professed Christians. So many Christians are so quick to tear other Christians down in the name of Christianity. I just, you know, when I I look at this, and, and again, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a minister, I'm the furthest thing from it. But man, if if I was an atheist or a Satanist or, or a Muslim, I'd be laughing at the Christians and saying, you guys can't get your act together. I mean, is, is that what you see in a, in a sense? Yeah, we look like a bunch of fools, to be honest. And the Bible tells us avoid foolish disputes. And Christians, I think, are among the worst for online fighting and bickering. I mean, you mentioned the rapture or pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, and you'll get a whole lot of poo-slinging going on among Christians. They'll, they'll end a friendship over that discussion. So Christians can be the worst. And we have to remember that we are trying to please God. And in so doing, it's not about the flesh. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 tells us that our battle is not against one another, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And, you know, we know that Satan is alive and well on this earth and his band of brothers, his demons, are working overtime, especially right now in these end times, to bring deception, to lead people astray, to cause confusion. You know, Second Timothy 1-7, um, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. So we've got to find, we've got to find a way to, uh, to, to not have hatred and bitterness in our hearts toward one another, even if we don't agree on something, 
We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I would say to every Christian out there who can hear my voice, it is time for all of us to join together prayerfully, faithfully, obediently in Christ. Put our differences aside. If we believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God and we have accepted him as Savior, it is time for us to just join together and start praying and start battling these demonic forces and powers of hell because God has told me in my spirit, and this was a message I put out a few months ago, that people are concerned about this and concerned about that, but what they're not really looking at is the spiritual battle that we are in for and He told me in my spirit that many of us are not prepared in the slightest for this major spiritual battle that is going to be unlike any that we have have ever known, and we're not prepared for it. And it's already coming against us now. There's a lot of people who are already uh, facing these spiritual battles. I can't tell you how many Christians I've talked to that are going through the worst time in their life with something, and we're not prepared for it. It's time for us to armor up and to repent and to get it right. We've spent most of our lives doing stuff wrong and and not obeying God, but now is the time more than ever to get it right and to quit missing the mark and to obey God and get the message of truth out and quit looking foolish in front of all the people with our bickering and our stupidity. Lynn, you mentioned um, anger um, just a little bit ago, and I want to touch on this if you can a little bit. The... The, the political atmosphere in this country right now is, um, I mean, there, you have polar opposites and you see this in the media, you see this in the, in the political movements and this brings out anger in a lot of people and rightfully so. Some people should be frustrated and, um, it should be a shock to their system to see some of these behaviors and what's being promoted from the political aisle, from abortions to homosexual marriage to, you know, this um, acceptance of, of Islam and, and, you know, basically the bowing down to it. What's your advice for people who find themselves angry? Uh, as we know in, in the scriptures, it, it, you should not be angry with... You're speaking to me, too, Lynn, because my, <laughs> my default setting is anger. Um, I'm not proud of it, but <laughs> frankly, seriously, that, that that's where I, I'm, I'm, I'm very angry. Um, it, 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 however... If I can temper it by saying, Joe, I feel I feel there, there's a, some righteous anger there more than well. Well, see, Scripture anger. talks about anger, but it doesn't anger. differentiate between people having righteous <laughs> yeah. anger or you know unrighteous anger. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah. Well, I was going to say that there's a big difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger, and we know that Jesus got very angry um, when people were selling stuff in the temple. And by the way, for the New Testament Christians out there, that was in the New Testament. So Jesus got angry about that. And I think a lot of us are feeling the anger of the Holy Spirit within us about these things. Now, what's important is that we don't step over into sin with that anger and lash out at people. Interestingly enough, and I won't say his name, but uh, a very well-known person who's an author and does a lot of issues um, on science stuff in relation to the Bible. He and I were talking, and he was just really upset by some comments below a YouTube video. And what I said to him is I said, you know what? I used to get really upset about that, too, a long time ago. But to be honest with you, it's a form of persecution. And now, if I don't get the trolling comments, 
I actually feel worried. Because when I'm getting attacked, I know that I'm making the devil mad. And that's what it's all about. And when you make the devil mad, even in Christians who are being convicted for sin, they will instantly begin to get angry, some of them. And that's why they're getting angry. You're con- they're getting convicted for something that they're doing. They don't want to hear it. Maybe they're in denial about it. And they get mad. So we have to remember to be bold as a lion, but to be as humble as a lamb. And Paul... In the New Testament, he is a perfect example of being bold and humble. So we're allowed to get righteously angry, but at the same time remain humble. It's a hard thing for a lot of us to do. But start taking these things as a form of persecution and confirmation from God that you are on the right track, you're pleasing him, and you are making some demons really upset. And then give praise to God and thank God for it. And just keep moving forward. And those trolling comments and all the hatred I get, I get a lot of hate. Those types of things just keep me hitting certain topics that much harder. They don't make me give up. It just makes me want to push more. You, you know, the hatred, the hateful comments, uh, I look at those and I think, you know, what what empty lives these people must have, really. But aside from that, what concerns me more than the hateful comments is the government overreach, the censorship, the attempt to silence you, me, us, all of us, our shows. Um, have you, you experienced any of that? And Go ahead, Joe. No, go ahead and answer that. Uh, yeah. Have you experienced any type of censorship on your channel, on your website, on your message at all? Not that I'm aware of, but I did have uh, Pastor Paul Begley on recently, and he actually had three visits from the NSA. They actually threatened his life, and I have a whole video about that on my channel. So it is happening. I haven't noticed anything. Now, the night I put that video up, my phone was doing weird stuff. I don't know if it was just coincidence, but my phone was doing weird stuff. So that was really freaky. But... um I haven't really noticed anything. You know, maybe God's just doing something there or protecting me from it. I don't know. Lynn, uh, we got about what, two and a half minutes before break or so, three minutes before break. What is your, how, how are Christians, uh, because we talk about a lot of issues on this show, a lot of issues that are going on in the mainstream news, a lot of, um, issues that are going on in, in society. Um, when we have a, a, a government and political institutions, uh, backed up by the media that are promoting anti-biblical, sinful behaviors constantly. What are Christians to do in the face of this? We know we can. Only, there's only certain actions we can take. Um, but what 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 do you uh, urge people to do to to combat these things in our society? Speak the truth to people about it. Don't partake in it. You know, how many Christians sit at home and watch very ungodly television shows with witchcraft, uh, satanic symbolism in it, nudity, sex, uh, scantily clad women, uh, just cursing, GD, and all sorts of things, and they think, well, it's no big deal, and we're not supposed to partake in those things, and we're supporting it by partaking in it. Don't buy things or partake in things that you would not do if Jesus was sitting right next to you. That's one huge thing you can do. If you get a petition for something, sign it. You know, if, it, if whatever it is is opposing something evil, sign it. 
you know, pray about it. Go to, uh, go to town spiritually in prayer about these situations, but enough, not enough of us are doing those things. We need to really be praying. I'm guilty of it myself sometimes. You know, you get tired at night and at the quick bedtime prayer, Lord, thank you for this day and bless this person and that person for giving me my son. Amen. That's good and all, but we really need to do some spiritual warfare. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you mentioned uh, when we started, you were talking about the churches and a lot of the churches uh, water down messages. And with that watering down comes a lack of talk and, and um, or even the spiritual warfare issue is not even really recognized in many of these churches, especially the ones that go with the the softer, you know, alternative gospel that we see today. And that is a is a big problem. Would you say, um, you know, we we hear we read about the the great deception and, and the deception that comes in the last days? Do you believe that these churches preaching alternative um, gospels and the alternative Jesus is part of that great deception, or do you think this this is a something that that is just a run up to that? No, it is definitely part of the great deception because if Satan can get into the body of Christ and corrupt it, he can lead so many souls to hell. And through those people, those pe- those same people that are in those churches are going out and telling other people things, and they're not telling people the truth. It is an act of love to tell the truth. I mean, we don't have to come at somebody and hit them over the head. But we need to be telling the truth about what the Bible really has to say about sin and and that God is not happy about it and that we can't live in that and we need to be honest. We can do it in a spirit of love, but we have to tell the truth. We may get persecuted for it, laughed at, we may lose a friend, but that is what we're called to do. Absolutely. Folks, we're talking with Lynn Liaz, her website, freedomnationnews.com, and then uh, lynnliaz.com is where people can go find your, your books. Is that correct? Uh, sold to see Yes. Soul Deceiver. Yes, Soul Deceiver. Fantastic, yes. by the way. <laughs> Good reading. Thank and, you. And I know uh, we're up against the break. Uh, Lynn will be with us uh, through part of the next segment. I believe she has to, to cut out uh, sometime in the middle there, but she'll be with us after these short messages. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. 
Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation Series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com, that's where to go for all of the news information, news that you need to know uh, in the run-up to our shows. And, of course, HagmanandHagman.com, that's where you can find all of all of our venues where, we're, where we broadcast. And I just want to say hello to Marie in, uh, uh, actually, she's in Sweden. Thank you. Yeah, Sweden. And we actually heard from another listener from Sweden today as well. Uh, hello from Sweden. Interesting. Before we get back to Lynn Lioz, um, of course her website, freedomnationnews.com. Before we get back to, to her, folks, if you don't have one already, get one. What am I referring to? Minuteman Rocket Stove. Go to minutemanstove.com. That's minutemanstove.com. In these times, it just makes sense to have a very reliable, sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of the most important basic tasks that we have to do, and that's cook or heat water, preparing food. We all need a way to cook. We need a method to heat water, to process water. A disruption in the power or fuel, the power supply or fuel uh, fuel distribution is going to put most people out of business or cause serious inconvenience to all of us. Folks, a Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. There are a lot of rocket stoves out there, but and we've tried several, many high-name brands. Minuteman rocket stove is the best of the best. 
It's small, lightweight wood burning, every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove with decent wood. It's smokeless, fully self-contained for clean storage and, trans- and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down your wood gathering needs. It's virtually smokeless. It's easy to feed, easy to use. Folks, do this now. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better, believe me. And by the way, these stoves are all handmade in the United States. Every one handmade in North Carolina. They're extremely rugged. They come with a two-year guarantee. No one's taken advantage of that. No need to. Minuteman stove. Dot com. That's minutemanstove.com. Lynn Leos is our guest, and we're so delighted to have her. Lynn, uh, yeah, you got a heck of a following. What's your secret? Seriously, I, I, that's not a softball question. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. What do you think is your secret uh, of, of your popularity on your YouTube channel? I don't have any idea, to be honest. I don't know, other than God is doing something, because I didn't really start using it religiously, no pun intended, until, I don't know, about January of 2014, and it just grew like wildfire. And so I just give God the glory for that. Um, you know, I'm trying to tell the truth to people as the best way I can so they'll accept it and hear it and believe it and trying to get through to them. And when God speaks to me, I put out the message that he wants. So I just think that it's his blessing. Um, letting it grow. That was kind of a, an odd question, I'm sure, to you. But but here's why I asked. Joe and I were talking about this earlier before the show started. And I think people are hungry. People are hungry for the truth, but the truth through the lens, through the prism of the the scriptures. I, I think that it, through a Christian worldview, that's kind of what I, what I was thinking. And you deliver that product very well. Uh, you were on with Paul McGuire here recently on God TV. Wasn't that like within the last couple of months or am I mistaken on that? It was last June when I spoke at the Prophecy in the News conference. Okay. Um, that's when I was on his show and that was exciting. And I have Paul and Troy on, uh, on my show quite a bit. They're great. Love them both dearly. But yeah, I'm just always trying to speak the truth to people and I tell people often, it was back in 2013, and I didn't even have um, the Internet very long at that point, and I wasn't doing anything like this. But the Lord spoke to me when I was praying, and he said, Lynn, he said, you're going to build an ark. And I thought he meant a physical ark, and I had this funny thought of myself with an axe and gopher wood. I'm like, okay, this can't be the Lord. That's too funny. And he said, no, no, Lynn, not a, not a physical ark, a spiritual ark. He said, you won't understand it now, but you're going to build an ark, an end times ark. I said, oh, well, I don't, yeah, Lord, you're right, I don't understand. Can you tell me more about this? He said, no, not now. So I can only assume that what I'm doing right now by being a watchman and sending out the warning, if you think of what Noah did, Noah was building this ark for protection from the flood that was coming, and he was also a preacher, and a watchman warning people, the people didn't listen. And then when the floods came, you know, they begged to be let in, but the door was slammed shut and sealed by God and it could not open. And so I think that what I'm doing now is part of that. I'm warning people, telling them, hey, get on board. Get on board with Jesus Christ now 
before it's too late. And so I think that's part of it. I don't know if it's all of it. There could be more. <laughs> when we've seen a, a, in recent years a huge increase in um, Christian censorship, uh, Bible studies and prayers being thrown out of school, and, you know, this trend is, is continuing to, to increase, and we see, uh, you know, even a lot of uh, public, some public hate towards Christianity. Do you think this trend is going to continue till it is legislated out of existence? Um, well, what's your thoughts on, on the future of, of Christianity in, in the public? Well, of course it's going to get worse because the Bible tells us, you know, in the end times prophecy, in the book of Revelation, there's going to be persecution and what is good will be considered evil. What is evil will be considered good. And heck, we're living that right now. Uh, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And it has to. Prophecy has to be fulfilled. Why? So that God can bring judgment on evil. And so that all the people going way back when, everybody who belongs to the Lord will finally be vindicated and evil will be done away with. So this has to happen. So prophecy, even though it can seem negative, is a good thing. And I mentioned stuff earlier, too, too to do with God's judgment being a great act of his love. And one thing I want to I want to give out this verse that happened to be the verse of the day on the Bible app. And it goes with what we're talking about. And this is in the New Testament. It is John 3, verse 36. It says, and anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who does not obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. So for those of you out there listening who think that, you know, this New Testament, this New Testament God that you're serving doesn't get angry, you're wrong. God does get very angry. But he gets angry because he loves us, just like a parent gets angry at their child when their child disobeys. Well said. And thanks for that verse. Uh, yeah. And I want to ask you, um, what Bible app do you use on your phones? Because I've talked about, I like to, uh, when I read the Bible, I also like to put the app on and, and listen to it in a headset while I read. And I, when every time we mention that, we get a number of emails asking, you know, well, what app do you use? What app do you use? What app do you use? <laughs> I use the Bible app, and it's by Uversion. Okay. Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. It's really good, too. They've got all sorts of cool stuff on there, uh, videos. They've got um, little devotional things you can do in studies. You know, if you're having trouble with your marriage, they've got devotional studies you can do, like daily plans. You get the daily verse, and you can share it with people. It's really an awesome program. I encourage people to use it. Fantastic. Yeah, that's the, the same one I have on my phone, and it, it does have a lot of extras in there um, that are, it's easy to navigate as well, and it gives you the audio option, too, if uh, that's something that you want want to use. Um, Lynn, how much longer are you able to stay with me? Yeah, we, we, it's, uh, we're 39 minutes into this, uh, and we want to be respectful of your time. Oh, you're okay. About 15 15 Top minutes of the hour? or so. Top of the hour? Yeah, we can go. Okay. All right. Good. Well, thank you. Because I, I, was, well, about ready, you. <laughs> I was about ready to say, let's do some lightning round questions real quick. But, but we, we can take a little bit more time on that. Um, if you don't mind, what do you think of Donald Trump uh, in terms of, obviously, current events, Christian biblical worldview, Donald Trump thoughts? 
Wow, that's a loaded question. And the reason I say that is, okay, the problem I'm seeing, and I'm going to get probably a lot of people upset with me, the problem I'm seeing is that people are looking at Trump instead of Jesus. And I'm seeing this, it's like a Trump worship. Okay, I don't have anything against Trump. I'm glad to see that we finally got Obama out of the White House and we didn't get Hillary. So it's not about that. It's just that we're supposed to be looking to God. A man or a woman is not going to solve our problems and it's not going to happen overnight. And I personally think we're at a place and time, prophetically, that it's only going to keep moving forward. I hate to sound negative. I know a lot of people think that we have all this extra time now, but I haven't seen the body of Christ repenting, and judgment begins in the house of God. So until we see the body of Christ repenting, we can't just assume that, oh, we've got more time now. So, you know, that's my opinion. I think that I think that there's just a lot of people who are just basically idolizing Trump as our Savior. I even be getting strange emails from some church, I don't know who they are, saying that they're starting a new religion because Trump is sent to us from God as our Lord and Savior, like Jesus Christ. Wow, that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and I see a lot of people arguing as well about Trump. And we were just talking about anger and bickering earlier. Mm-hmm. And we can't allow ourselves to let our political differences or things like that to affect our relationship that we have with not just each other, but more importantly with God, because when we start getting into things like that, we make God unhappy. So we can't do that. But, yeah, that's my opinion for what it's worth. My only concern is people need to be looking to God right now because there is not a human being that is going to save us. That that one already came, and that was God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He already came, and he's coming again. So that's our Lord and Savior. So. Well, that's an interesting answer about about Trump, and and seriously, that that's uh, people need to be more less concerned about the man, obviously, more concerned about our you know our own salvation, their own salvation, and of course uh, our, our Lord and Savior. So I agree with you on that. Geopolitical events, what do you have your eyes on? If if I mean in terms of events taking place across the world, uh, Israel, Israel big in the news right now of course so as it is always but but um what are you looking at what is lynn leon's looking at in terms of geopolitics across the globe i watch israel and i can see some sort of a peace agreement sometime in the in the near future coming about and the one i'm talking about yes is the big uh end times peace agreement that gets signed and I see something like that happening I don't know how it's going to happen um, I could just see I can see things like that happening I was really surprised um, not too long ago that Putin and Netanyahu were both what was it they were asked by Israel or asked by the Jews to to do something like a Cyrus with a temple or something to help finance it. And I don't know, because I haven't followed up, if they ever um, did help them with that. But I can see uh, some sort of a peace type of agreement coming into fruition. And we we know, of course, that's huge 
prophetically. But yeah, I encourage everybody to watch Israel. If you want to know what's happening, watch what's going on over there. We still have this whole ordeal with, uh, with Palestine and this two-state solution. So I think that's something to definitely watch. Um, Lynn, any thoughts on the, um, I guess you'd say the rumors of war that we see going on? We have the North Korea, you know, threatening nuclear action on the United States. And this is not anything new. This has happened in the past, but the rhetoric does seem to be increasing with their, their missile tests. You have um, tensions between a number of different nations about, you know, from the South China Sea disputes. And then you have, um, you know, these these behind-the-scenes economic wars through trade and sanctions. Any thoughts on, on um, upcoming conflict um, between North Korea, the U.S., yeah. or any other nations? I think ultimately there's going to be conflict with all of us. We know that World War III is a huge part of Bible, of Bible prophecy, and we know that there has to be chaos to bring about this new world order, one world government, and there has to be this new world order, one world government to bring about the Antichrist, this, you know, the one world satanic leader. So I think there's going to be conflict all over the place, and I think that it's just building up to that with everything that's going on. We even have the uh, threat of a, an economic collapse, and people are predicting that, you know, if we go by history, that it's supposed to happen this year. So there's all sorts of things that could happen. We have strange weather, um, threats of some major earthquake. There's been prophecies about the New Madrid and the Cascadia, San Andreas, and there's just all sorts of things happening that we have never really seen before. So I think something is definitely going to happen. Okay. I got a question kind of out of left field. Uh, it pertains to Bible prophecy, but um, it's something I don't think that a lot of people don't completely understand. The Mark of the Beast. We have um, this increase in, in technology. We've seen recently that they want this um, transhumanist agenda to go through where technology and computers are merging with, with uh, humans and, and their minds. They talk about, you know, this one one world consciousness. Uh, and then you have, you know, the RFID issues. Any thoughts on the mark of the beast, how you would expect to see that rolled out, or especially with what we're seeing today with the increases in technology? Well, a lot of people believe that it's going to be the the microchip or the RFID, and that's already been being used in clubs over in Europe somewhere for a long time for a membership. Um, they also use such a thing in the elderly to keep track of them, tracking devices. Interesting that such a thing was first used in animals to track their migration habits. Now, this is just a coincidence and funny, but it's worth mentioning. But isn't it interesting? It's called the mark of the beast. And if you think about it, it was first used in animals to track their migration. And what are animals known as? As beasts. So that's just an interesting thing. But I can see that really being pushed and, you know, coming into play. We know the Bible tells us that it will happen. Um, can I see it happening tomorrow? No. But I do see it in the near future. And it's a scary thing. You know, we don't really know for sure what is this thing that's going to be the mark of the beast. We can only um, kind of try to figure it out based on what the Bible describes it and what we see going on. Personally, I think it's the RFID chip. Yeah, I mean, um, 
The only question is how how would they roll it out? Would it be incrementally rolled out? Would it be rolled out after a major disaster? But I uh, well, if I can pile on here just for you know what 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 I am curious about, Lynn, and well, what I'm curious about, what would make people even the most marginal of Christians think it's okay to accept the mark of the beast? The deception that, that, okay, uh, if from a decep- deceived point of view or deception point of view, you, you know what I mean? Yes. Well, what would, well, what would cause that? I don't really know, and that's just being honest. Um, I do know that if you look at the healthcare industry, the way they have everything on the computer now, okay, linked together in a network, all of your records and everything, they could say, hey, if you want medical care, you have to have this. But I'm kind of, you know, up in the air, too. How are they going to deceive the people that know better? There has to be some way they're going to deceive people that people would take it. So it's an interesting question and an interesting thought. But, you know, who knows? If people couldn't get medical care, let's say your kid is so sick they're about to die. And they have to have medical care. And you're sitting there watching your child suffer. And you know as a parent how it is to watch your child suffer. But you can't get your kid medical care without all of you having this chip or this mark. Maybe a lot of people will give in because they're sick. They don't want to die. They don't want to watch somebody they love die. Maybe they could go to prison for being negligent in the medical needs of their family. Because they aren't taking this mark. And I think you're right. Uh, it's, it talks about in the Bible, unless you have the mark, nobody can, can buy or sell, basically be part of and, and uh, conduct transaction in an, in the economy. And I think that, I don't think it's an it's a issue of deception, more of uh, weakness and human necessity, not being able Desperation. to... Desperation. Exactly. And I think a lot of people will be deceived, especially non-believers. The only, the only thing I wonder about where it says... If the days weren't cut short, and if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. That's the one verse that that makes me wonder. Um, what else is there that that's going on that we haven't seen yet, or, or maybe we won't see it until we go through it? But I wonder about that because it does sound more of of a deception style than of of necessity. But we know that um, that people will not be able to be part of the economy. Will not be able to function as they do today no bank accounts no health care as you mentioned no groceries um, no no utilities or services unless you are part of that system so I, I wonder what that deception is that if it were possible even the elect would be deceived well if you don't mind me adding this in i remember uh years ago was it back in i want to say it was 2008 or something like that there was a big power outage from a hurricane down south and there was people without power, some of them for a month. I did not have any power for like two, two and a half weeks. I have never seen such chaos. There was traffic jams at the gas station. People were beating each other up and physically and verbally fighting and cussing each other out. People were cutting in front of one another. This was just over a power outage, okay? So imagine now, I want everybody listening to imagine that you have no access to your money in the bank. You do not have anything stored up for yourselves, no preparedness. 
You don't have any anything financially, not even bartering items. Okay, you've got nothing. You have no. You can't you can't use your car. You can't gas up your car. There's no electricity. Martial law is being imposed. People are just out there going nuts. That's what's going to happen. There's going to be panic and hysteria. People are going to kill to get what they need to provide and protect for their family. And I think that's natural. Some of that's natural human instinct too. You know, when you when you see death before you, you instantly do whatever you can. Instinct, you know, kicks in and you do whatever you can to survive. So people are going to be doing whatever they can to survive, and it's going to be crazy. And then add to that the other Bible prophecies about um, earthquakes and and all sorts of crazy stuff that's going to happen. Sickness. So maybe that's maybe that's how there's going to be so much rampant sickness is because nobody can go to a doctor. People, everything's filthy. People can't flush their toilets or or do anything. It's going to be gross, and people are going to get sick. Mm. Then they can yeah. get medical care because they won't get the mark of the beast. So, you know, maybe that's one way it can play out. Well, interesting indeed to think about. Uh, Lynn, uh, uh, you got about two minutes left. Uh, talk about your book and uh, any upcoming appearances. Go ahead and promote those. But uh, definitely talk about your book, where to get it, and upcoming appearances that you'd like to promote as well. The uh, floor is yours, two minutes. Okay, uh, my book is Soul Deceiver, The Deception Begins, and it is a book about the one world religion. And I encourage everybody to read it. It was a book that the Lord gave me the message to, very powerful. It is fiction. Uh, there's a lot of fast-paced action and suspense in it, a lot of emotion pulling in it. So they can get it at Amazon or Thomas Nelson West Bow Press. So those are a couple places to get it. I do have a video trailer on my YouTube. As far as any public appearances, I do not have any coming up, but you can always go to my YouTube channel if you want to hear my voice or possibly see me. <laughs> That's my most public experience right or appearance right now. So you can do that. You make some great videos, by the way, and and you're very. Um, it's it's nice to see you. Seriously, it's nice to to see you on your videos. Uh, I just want to tell you, it, it, it's it's great to see you uh, when when you discuss various topics. Um, very studious. Well, thank you. Yeah, I got on there once when I was sick, or maybe twice, and all these people are writing to me telling me how awful I look. I'm like, thanks. I'm sick. What do you want me to do? But um, yeah. so yeah, I try. But my like I said, my lighting isn't all that great in this house except for during the day and so um, I don't really have an office or a studio in the home I'm in so that can be difficult too but I just want to encourage everybody out there to love the Lord with all of your heart all your body, all your mind, your soul and everything and just to love him and if you fall in love with him don't just love him because he's good or love what you know about him but I encourage you to go to the Lord and ask him to teach you how to fall in love with him. Because if you fall in love with him, you will find that you want to serve him and you want to do all those things that make him happy. Just like when you're in love with another person, you want to put on your best dress, you know, do your hair and makeup, uh, stay up on the phone all night, write love letters and all those good things. You drive an hour across town in the middle of the night just to give the person a kiss. Well, God wants you to do that per that that sort of thing for him. 
you know, stay up late and read his letters, which are in the Bible. Talk to him on the heavenly phone. Uh, you know, you can always, you can get a hold of him anytime that you want. You think about the most famous person that you really like or, or you shouldn't, but idolize. And imagine God is more famous. You're absolutely right. Great advice. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Lindley Oz, freedomnationnews.com. Lindley Oz on YouTube as well as lindleyoz.com. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you. you Thank you. God bless you. You too, thanks. When we come back, we'll be joined by Steve St. Agnello from srsroncoreport.com. Or, if you prefer, Steve St. Angelo. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I did that twice today. All right, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Greenovative. Go to agmanreport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Perhaps you're a business out there, a small business. Would you like to extend the reach of your business? I bet you would. Would you like to to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks and Pro Flowers and Casper Mattress and some of the bigger companies out there? Would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program. Go to HagmanandHagman.com or send an email to opportunities at HagmanandHagman.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com and HagmanandHagman.com, there's a link where you can you can you can. It's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link. And go ahead and read the benefits that we have created for you. I think it's I think it's a fabulous opportunity. For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit precious timber 
TimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288. PreciousTimberProfits.com. PreciousTimberProfits.com. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. So glad that you're joining us. Thanks so much for your belief and your trust in us as uh, you join us tonight. You know, you could be doing a hundred different things. As long as you do them with us, take us with you, whether it's in your car, your boat coming up. Well, actually, uh, hey, if you live in the South, uh, uh, certainly uh, it could very well be right now, whether you're early or late in Europe, listening in Europe. I want to welcome each and every one of you to our broadcast. We've got a great uh, guest. This gentleman, I, you know what? I've been following, uh, every time I say this, it's almost like I'm stalking someone. I've been following uh, Steve St. Angela, St. Angela, Angela's uh, SRS Rocco report, and I'm going to work on my letters tomorrow. I was working on my numbers today. See, my pronunciation, I'm sorry. Uh, Joe's got me messed up here. <laughs> Steve St. Angelo from SRS Rocco Report. I, have you, folks, have you seen SRS Rocco Report? I'm sure you have. It's, it's often cited. Well, our guest right now is the founder of SRSRoccoReport.com, independent researcher, Steve St. Angelo. He started to invest in precious minerals back in 2002. Later in 08, he began researching areas of the gold and silver market that, uh, interestingly, the majority of the precious metal analyst community had left unexplored. And those areas? What do you think? Energy, oil, commodities, uh, such as, well, energy. But the energy returned on invested, um, Stand to impact the mining industry, precious metals, paper assets, and the overall economy. He's got a wonderful track record. Wonderful. He's very well respected in the economic circles. In the economic circles, and uh, you can find a lot of his writings, for example, on such sites as um, Market Oracle, Financial Sense, Gold, Silver dot com, Silver Doctors, a lot of stuff on Silver Doctors. Uh, peak prosperity, silver strategies, dollar collapse. I can go on to zero hedge. I can go on and on. But there you have it. We're so pleased to welcome as our guest right now, Steve St. Angelo from SRS Rocco Report. Steve, thanks for coming on with us. No, I appreciate it. There's so many things going on in the market. Uh, and as you all know, it's getting crazier and crazier. You know, this is the craziest year we've seen politics uh, with, the, with the new President Trump trying to make some changes up there and dealing with what they call the swamp. So it's. I think it's going to be a very interesting year this year. So it, uh, there's plenty to talk about. You know, right before the show, uh, well, earlier, we were talking about the economy. We were talking about the geo, the political landscape, but the economy, the debt ceiling, the precious metals, the fact that uh, uh, we're seeing gold and silver prices 
artificially repressed. We're seeing all sorts of weird things take place, things that we've never seen before. And we can't think of a better person to help us out with all of this than you. So why don't you tell us, where do we start even talking about the economy in this new era of President Trump and what we've been through and where we're going? In fact, earlier um, during during our uh, pre-show meeting, I said, you know, I'm not even sure I know what question to ask you first because there's so much out there. So... What should we be? What kind of questions should we be asking? First of all, we well, see that's a, that's a great question because uh, the the issue is uh, I'm glad Trump has is is a president is in the presidency right now, uh, and but the problem is he's got so many issues to deal with, but the the most important issue, the underlying issue, is the energy, and so yes, there's a lot to talk about and. You see, our economy isn't run by finance. Most people think it's run by finance. It, it is in a way, but it's actually run by energy, and it's steered by finance. And right now, uh, they're steering us over the cliff. So we to really understand what's going on with the manipulation of the markets, with the Federal Reserve and U.S. Treasury printing money, as well as other countries, the European Union, Japan, China... Now they're buying stocks, they've been buying bonds, all this stuff that's going on. Uh, the, the issue is the underlying cause is the energy. And you see, this isn't an old, this isn't a new principle. This isn't something we're just stumbling across. The Roman Empire had the same problem. They grew rapidly. And the reason why they grew is they had a really interesting, uh, their model was this. We use forces, military, and we take over other areas, other countries, other regions, and we take their wealth and their resources, and then we convert it into more more resources to grow the empire. Well, that worked for hundreds of years, but they got to a point where they peaked, and their energy return on investment of their Roman Empire, it peaked. Now, they could have went into northern, let's say, the Germanic area, but they had the, they had the resources to do that. But what happened was there wasn't much there in wealth. Or they could have went after Persia. They, there was a lot of wealth in Persia, but they didn't have the resources really to attack the Persians. So the Roman Empire was stuck. And so what they did is they started putting up all these forts, all these lines of defenses, and it costs a lot of energy, not only money, because energy is money, and money is energy. So they collapsed because their energy return on investment started to decline. And it just took a matter of time. And so what did they do to offset their falling energy return on investment? And I'll discuss that in a second. They debased their currency. And everyone knows how the Roman denarius, which is their silver currency, was debased. Now, today, we're doing the same thing. The U.S. and global oil industries' energy return on investment, and I'll, I'll, I'll make it simple for your listeners. In 1930, the U.S. oil industry was producing 100 barrels of oil for the energy cost of one. By 1970, it fell to 30 to one. Now, we're producing a lot of shale in the back in Eagle Ford, but guess what? We're only producing five profitable barrels now for every barrel of energy that we're putting into the system. We see this is bad news. 
And it, this falling energy return on investment is gutting the entire system. Not only is it gutting the energy system, the U.S. and global oil industry, it's gutting the whole market and financial system. And it was slow at first, but now it's really picking up speed. So unfortunately, Trump has got, he, he has got a lot of problems because you see, his notion of making America great again by doing all these ideas of infrastructure building, bringing manufacturing back to the United States, they're all great ideas. But the problem is, we don't have the profitable energy to do it. And here is the clincher. This is the most important thing for your listeners to understand. A modern society, such as the United States, needs an energy return on investment of its oil. Let's just say the profitable barrels. We need 20, at least 20 profitable barrels to run everything. It takes 10 profitable barrels just to run the interstate highway and our agricultural processing and distribution system just to get food on our dinner plate. It takes 10 to 1. It takes 10 barrels of that oil. When you include entertainment, you include all the education, you include the retail stores and markets, we need 20 to 1. Healthcare, we need 20 to 1. Well, at 5 to 1 shale, which is half of our oil production, it's not paying the bills. We're not paying the bills anymore. So what do we do? We add a lot of debt to the system. So this is basically, in a nutshell, the issue, the, 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 uh, what we're facing. And unfortunately, I'll conclude with this. Most analysts do not look at the energy. They look at energy as a sector. They look at, at the, like the housing sector, the housing market, the tech stocks, the agri- agricultural sector, the automobile industry. All those industries are nothing without the energy. Energy is the, is the underlying factor of our economy. And so this is why we're in serious trouble. You, you know, not too many people talk about this. Uh, not too many analysts, financial analysts talk about this. And I'm so glad you are. And it's interesting to hear you explain this. Uh, you've done it exquisitely, I believe. Um, in terms of making it understandable. Now, now let me kind of back up if I can and ask this. Um, in the, well, just a, just a quarter century ago, uh, and longer, but I mean, in modern times, uh, we were joined at the hip with Saudi Arabia petrodollar. And it's my understanding, and correct, correct me because I, this is the way I understand it. Um, our, our money, our, our 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 money system, the the uh, the fact that uh, we are the world's reserve currency is based on the fact that um, we're joined at the hip, or we're able to uh, we're able to um, assure or insure the safe and free, unmolested flow of oil throughout the world through our naval assets. But the second part of that is the, the Saudi oil itself, the lift costs are cheaper or have been historically less expensive coming from Saudi Arabia. It's my understanding we're losing that. And as such, this is going to have an adverse impact on our entire economy. Number one, did I make sense? And number two, is that even relevant? <laughs> No, that's a great point you brought up. That's a, that's a great point. You see, uh, the $10 trillion in our, let's say, uh, 
account deficit. We have we have over 10 trillion since the 70s. Since Nixon dropped the gold dollar peg in 71, the U.S. account deficit that's actually when our account deficit started, our trade deficits. Right after 1972, they started increasing. Well, it's 10 like 10.4 trillion when you add them all up. Half of that's oil. Half of that is the oil imports. And now Saudi Arabia on this petrodollar standard allowed, you see, if we didn't, if we didn't go off the gold standard, we couldn't, the U.S. empire couldn't have continued because of this $10 trillion account deficit. So all these countries now have, uh, they, we owe them $10 trillion plus. That's not including our own public debt in the United States, domestic debt. But the interesting thing is, you're right, Saudi Arabia is in real trouble because Saudi Arabia's oil company, Aramco is a national oil company, and I'll tell you how much trouble they're in. When the price of oil was over $100, and it was over $100 from 2011 to 2013, actually to 2014, and this is what's interesting, it fell below $100 in 2014. I believe August was the year. Since August 2014, Saudi Arabia has liquidated 34% of its foreign exchange reserves. Most of them are U.S. Treasuries. They're not making the money now. They were making the money back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, but now you see the cost to produce oil, even though Saudi Arabia is lower lifting costs, they're doing a lot to pump that oil out. They're spending a lot of money to pump that oil, and then they use their profits for the national government. And so in, in just two and a half years, They've liquidated 34% of their reserves. Actually, last month, uh, it was in January, they liquidated another $12 trillion. So this is bad news. And then let me give you another example. Uh, I just wrote an article about Pemex. They, it, that's the Mexican state national oil company. Technically, they're bankrupt. They have like $172 billion in, in, in liabilities, and they have $107 billion in assets. Their production has fallen 35% it, since, since 2005, and their debt is skyrocketing. I think their debt, long-term debt now, has gone up from $37 billion in 2008 to like $87 billion this year. So they're in big trouble. And what, what did they make an announcement last year? They're going to lay off 50,000 employees. So we, when we start looking around, and we just can't blame, uh, we can't blame uh, Pemex. Uh, actually, the more their money is going to the people, they're using more people than, let's say, other uh, public oil companies. But Royal Dutch Shell, their long-term debt is skyrocketed. It's $38 billion in 2014. Now it's $86 billion. And this is Royal Dutch Shell. It's, a, it's one of the world's largest oil companies. So what we're seeing, we're seeing a massive increase in debt in not only U.S. oil companies and gas companies, we're seeing a massive increase in debt on all the public oil companies' balance sheets. And so this is the trouble. People don't see what's happening. And this debt has to be serviced. So uh, I think we're going to see serious trouble going forward. And that's and this whole thing is based on this falling energy return on investment. It's just becoming more and more costly, and it's not profitable to produce this oil. It 
it's just gonna, a lot of it is going to stay in the ground. And a lot of these companies are dumping their reserves. I mean, uh, uh, ExxonMobil just rid off 3.3 billion barrels of its tar sands. Tar sands is not commercially viable at $50, $60. So uh, this is the issue we're in, and I think we're going to see a much different uh, oil industry in five years. We could see a huge disintegration of the oil industry, and that's bad because oil is the lifeblood of our economy. And where I live, the trucks that uh, ship the coal, it's a constant line of trucks. Two have two uh, trailers, dump trailers, and they run coal up and down the interstate all day long, 24 hours a day. Oil, you mean? Yeah, they're using diesel to transport the coal. Now, some oh, the, okay, the, okay. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. they're using the they're using diesel fuel in the trucks to transport the coal. So okay. even though we're using coal to generate electricity for the power to like to power our homes and businesses, a lot of it is being transported by truck. So we need mm-hmm. the oil to move uh, the coal. So this is the issue that we're facing. Man. Okay, and, and, and this is complex. And, and folks, we're, we're, our guest is S- Steve Saint Angelo, srsrockoreport dot com, and you can read actually uh, what uh, Steve is talking about. He's got a great article: PMEX Mexico's state oil company on the verge of bankruptcy and collapse. Um, it, in part, you, what he's talking about in part, you can read on his website. Uh, fantastic uh, analysis. So, okay. Now what? Because this can't be fixed, right? Uh, this any, any help in that area with these new pipeline operations that are being uh, that that Trump uh, that Obama first you know, shut down. Now Trump's opening up the Dakota pipeline. Uh, will this bring any extra energy independence to this country? You know, that's a good question. I look at this pipeline as the same thing as the Chinese cities that they built up an infrastructure to nowhere. All the, you know, all, all these huge metropolises, and we've seen them in videos. In China, they built all these big cities, and there's, there's no one living in them. Well, this, you see, what people need to realize, shale oil production, and that's what this pipeline is for. Shale oil production has a very high decline rate, and I, I actually calculated it. Last year, the top shale oil companies... They lost 3.1 million barrels of oil. Lost. That's that's how much their decline was last year. They added 2.2 million, and that's when the price was falling. So we lost 900,000 barrels. That's how the decline happened. It, the issue is it's so expensive. The only way to increase production is they have to keep drilling faster and faster. The unfortunate thing is since 2008, when shale really took off in the United States, they went into the, 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 the good key core areas. They, you always go for the best first, and that's what, we, that's what they did. So they got the, the more profitable, better commercial wells. They drilled those first. Well, they have peaked, and even, even, if, even though that U.S. oil production has gone up from its bottom about six months ago, the back in an Eagle Ford, they haven't increased much at all. They're still, they're still at their bottom. So this is the issue. I don't, by the time this pipeline is running, it, it'll function for a while, but we just don't have, the back end, it's probably peaked. It will, it, 
it will not ever return back to its peak, which was like about 1.2 million barrels a day. It's, it's down 30-something percent. So same thing with the Eagle Ford in Texas. And uh, so my issue is I, I see these, these, uh, this idea of, of moving this oil, but I think with, within the next five to ten years, U.S. oil production will be 50 to 75 percent less than what it is today. And the results from that, of course, are going to be devastating economically. And yeah, I, yeah, I, mean, I mean, I I drive up and down the road quite a bit, and there is this the movie called The Sixth Sense, and the kid in the movie he says, "Oh, I see a lot of dead people." Well, I don't see a lot of dead people, but what I do see is I see massive amount of colleges being shut down. I see, uh, I, I, and it's all based on the energy. I see commercial buildings which dot the, the inner cities and, and also the suburbs now. I just see them vacant because even though you might be able to power them with electricity, you need cars moving around to give them activity to fill them up. And we really, and you asked me this question, what can we do? What, we, what can we do to offset this? And the Hirsch report done in 2005 for the U.S. government said, if you start doing transitioning away from oil, natural gas, 20 years before we peak, we can have a, a good transition. There'll be problems, but it, we could do it. If you wait 10 years, it's going to be serious trouble. And if you don't wait at all, and we haven't, we, we haven't done anything really. We've done a little solar and electric vehicles, but that's, it's, it's actually a fraction. Then it's game over, and that's what we're facing. So all the trouble we see in the markets, all this stuff is based upon the energy. All the debt, all the derivatives, it's trying to offset this declining energy. And we're, we're pushing the day of reckoning back. But when it comes, guys, it's going to come, it's going to fall off a cliff. And I, I can't give the date or year, but each year we pass, it just we get closer and closer to it. So, mm-hmm. would this translate to a um, uh, them giving out the, the the energy to you know mass transportation, uh, transporting of food, or would it just be priced so high as to be out of range for most Americans when we get to that point? Well, you see, this is the interesting thing. And uh, first, we have the peak oil. Some people don't believe in it. They believe in abiotic oil. However, the falling energy return on investment proves that the abiotic oil theory doesn't really hold. There might be some going on, but it just doesn't hold because the, the math shows us the oil, the, the value of the oil is falling. And it's also falling in Russia, where they say that the abiotic oil theory, they're doing a lot over there. I've looked at... Um, I've looked at some of their stats from Gazprom and some of the big Russian oil companies. They're drilling horizontal wells just like we are in the, in the U.S., the shell. That's where okay. they're getting a lot of their production. So uh, I think the issue is we do not have um, – we don't have a plan B, and uh, I, think, I think it's going to be – We're, we're going to be tapped it. out, right? I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but – but, but I, I sense you're, you're, you're telling us that we're going to be tapped out, that there won't be anything to, to be gotten. No, and I, there, you, I guess this is, this is the issue. It's, it's, um, I just talked about peak oil and the falling energy return on investment. There's another study called thermodynamics, 
And you see, this is what I, it has actually changed my thinking. We have based our price on goods, services, commodities, energy on supply and demand. That's false. While supply and demand do do our factors in volatility in the price movement throughout the year or a few years, the overriding price of a good commodity or energy is its cost of production. And if we plot this, we can figure out that the price of oil over the past 30, 40 years has been based upon its cost of production. Well, the issue is the value of the oil now is declining. The this, this system is using so much of it to to drill it, to explore it, to uh, to transport it, and tankers and pipelines to refine it, uh, at the roads to maintain it, to move all these vehicles. It take it takes it takes a fleet of trucks just to do one shale well or, or gas well or oil well. Fleets of trucks. So we need all this stuff just to get the oil to the market. And each year there's less and less getting to the market which is why the price is falling. And this is the most hardest thing that people get their mind around. The price of oil will continue to fall. It's deflationary. It, it, it sounds so crazy because the, the value of it is falling. And you have to think about it this way. A brand new car is worth 25 or 30 grand. 15-year-old car goes for like five or six grand. Well, the reason why that old car only goes for five or six thousand is the embedded energy in the motor radiator all the parts electronics are all wearing out so and in time it's only worth scrap well it's the same thing with a barrel of oil when we first started producing it it was very easy and we could use a lot of it now the, the available energy in that barrel has declined so much it's just not the value isn't there so we're going to continue to see volatile prices of oil, but according to the Hills Group, the price is actually going to continue to fall. The only option that would really increase if we have hyperinflation, if they really if they really print money like crazy, but that means everything goes up in value in relative terms. But on, sadly, the oil the oil industry and the oil market will collapse on lower oil prices. Folks, we're talking. Um, with Steve St. Angelo from srsrockoreport.com. That's srsrockoreport.com. Visit his website and bookmark the website and check out all the different content that is up oh, there from the articles. Yeah, the newsletter. He's got a, um, a number of, on the right-hand side, a number of SoundCloud files that you can listen to a, a whole different host of categories um, and interviews on there. And it's a it's a very interesting and informative website. He'll be with us until uh, through the end of the next Joe, segment. Uh, I just want to say this: I, this last thirty minutes, this last segment, has been educational for me. I mean, unbelievable! It, it, if you listen to what he said, it's it's counterintuitive almost to me, but he's correct. Yeah, and this is something that we don't get into a lot on the show. And he'll be with us again for the next half hour. So when we come back, we're going to pick up right where we left off. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stay tuned. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. 
of the great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post and Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Army's kit at www.changepostandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. This edition of the Hagman and the Hagman Reporter, a very special guest, Steve St. Angelo, srsroccoreport.com. I'm not lying when I say this. We were, again, uh, gathered together before the show, and uh, as we looked over srsroccoreport.com, we, we all kind of looked at one another and said, how did, how, or how is, uh, Steve St. Angelo, so in, spot on. In a, I mean, how does he know so much? And, and, you know, a lot of times we talk about our guests and, and we say that they're, and we, all of our guests are fantastic, but, but Mr. St. Angelo, um, while other money guys are out there talking about, oh, you know, almost the obvious or, or making, 
these predictions, financial predictions that, nah, you know, uh, how many of you, how many have you seen not come true? Um, our guest is pretty doggone accurate, if I may say so myself, looking over his website, having his newsletter, the news briefs that he gives out, the, uh, uh, it's just tremendous. So this is a guy I listen to. This is a, a gentleman that we listen to. This is a website we follow, and we recommend you do the same. Again, his website, srsrockoreport.com. Um, before we get back to to, uh, to Steve, I want to mention that one important item as we get into whatever is coming down the pike, and we know something is, communications with the loved ones, how important is that to you? If you guys travel, perhaps you guys are traveling for work, wives, family at home, wife, family at home. Sorry about that. One wife, family, kids at home. Maybe you're, maybe, maybe you're in different spots. What happens if the cell system goes down? Think about what happened after 9-11 or whatever. What are you going to do? How are you going to make sure? How are you you going to communicate with your family? We've got the answer for you. Real quick, SatellitePhoneStore.com. My favorite method of communication is the satellite phone, Iridium 9555. Let me tell you something. These satellite phones are dependable, line of sight with a satellite. They are less expensive than you think, and I would not trust my satellite phone service with Anyone other than Eric Tallman from SatellitePhoneStore.com, SatellitePhoneStore.com. I would urge you to check this out and contact Eric Tallman at Satellite Phone Store. Give them a call. Look on their website. Just go to SatellitePhoneStore.com. Check out. The the plans are amazingly inexpensive, and they're all-encompassing. But, folks, the mental assurance that we have with satellite phones... It makes all the difference in the world. That's SatellitePhoneStore.com. Steve, thanks for thanks for hanging with us. We really appreciate it. Um, can, 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 I, can I ask you, are, are, can we get into the precious metals at this point, or do we should we still remain with the energy oil things at the moment? No, I'd like to move into the precious metals. Uh, one last thing, because you see, uh, it's always the numbers. I always look at the numbers. The numbers really give you an accurate, uh, an accurate reading of what's going on. And one of the accurate readings for the oil industry, let's say the U.S. oil, shale oil and gas industry, is its free cash flow. Whatever their operating income is, and then they take you, you deduct what they spent in capital. And their capital is their drilling, going out there and drilling all these thousands and thousands of wells. Well, I'm looking at the, the top 15 U.S. oil and gas shale companies. And I look at their free cash flow. Well, guess what? When, when the shale industry took off in 2008, that was the last year they made money. 2009, all the way to last year, they have been in the red for the last eight years. No money. And so the only way that worked was zero interest rates and and money printing. That's the only way that situation worked, and that's not sustainable. So I wanted to give your your listeners a little idea that, uh, yes, we brought on all this uh, as oil, which people thought we were going to become energy independent. That was a pipe dream. When, When you realize and you understand the data and the figures, it was a mirage. We did get a good boost. Unfortunately, it won't last. It'll be like a big 
big blip up and a big blip down. It, it, it won't last long. And it, it just goes to show you they're not making any money doing this. But the, the important thing is the reason why this, this energy thing is important to understand, and we're going to get into the markets and precious metals, if we look at the Dow Jones Index and the debt, U.S. The Dow Jones Index and our U.S. debt, it has increased 23 times since 1983, both of them. In 1980, in 1980, our debt was $863 billion. The debt now is $20 trillion. It's 23 times higher. The, the Dow Jones average was 865 at the beginning of 1980. It's now 20,000 plus. Well, what is that? That's 23 times higher. The S&P is up 21, and the U.S. retirement is up 24 times. There's no coincidence that our indexes, our retirement market, is up at the same level as our debt. So what does that mean? That means the entire market has been propped up by debt, not by energy. By debt, And so the only way you can continue doing that is if you have abundant and cheap oil production. Well, what happens when oil production really starts to finally decline and things get really ugly? Well, stocks, bonds, and real estate do a nosedive. And that's my forecast. I can't give you a date of that forecast. But those are three, those three which are 99% of investors who are invested in the market are in stocks bonds and real estate. And as you all know, 1% is in precious metals. We see it actually should be the other way around. And why is that? Because the precious metals, if you own a silver or gold coin, it's, it's actually economic energy that all that was burned, and now it's in that coin or bar. It's stored in there. Kind of like a squirrel storing acorns. So you have this this economic energy, this value. That's why it's money. That's why gold and silver have money for 2,000 plus years. It's stored economic energy. Back in the day, it was animal and human labor. Now it's oil, natural gas, coal, nuclear, hydro, and renewables. But the problem is 99% of investors are invested in the wrong assets. And unfortunately, they don't know it because they don't know the energy. And so in time, I see when the markets really start to crack. And I think once they crack, unless we have hyperinflation, Doug and Joe, when they crack, we're going to see the mother of all uh, crashes. And it's going to make 2008 look like a walk in the park. And so at that point in time, this is when the precious metals will really be the the, the safe haven. And uh, they've been manipulated, but you see, they once this market cracks, that's where I see this huge surge of interest, price, and, and a demand. It's interesting to hear you say that. Just to go back to something you said earlier about, uh, for example, the silver coin being... If you can imagine this, folks, I mean, it'd be being a, a store, storehouse of, how did you put it? A, a store of energy? A store, um, uh, you, you said it very eloquently. Yeah, it's a store of economic energy. And let me, there was a lot of capital and energy, whether it's, whether it's human energy driving to the haul trucks, whether it's the capital to build a plant, all that, it took a lot of capital to produce an energy to produce that silver coin or the gold coin. And what's interesting, the reason why there's a 71 ratio right now between the price of gold and the price of silver, the algorithms are basing that on the cost of production. It costs about 
15 to $18 to produce an ounce of primary silver, and it costs about $1,100 to produce an ounce of gold. So you divide those two, and you get their 70 to 1 ratio, you know, plus or minus. The problem is gold and silver are not, their store value is not based upon their cost of production because they see a lot of it is not consumed. It's saved. Oil, gas, coal, copper, wheat, we eat those, we consume those, we burn consumed. those. Yeah. So the problem is, the, uh, the the deal is that the silver coin, when you have purchased that coin, let's say you, you bought it for $20 or $18, somebody else now owes you labor, or they have to give you a good that equals the value of that coin. However, a stock stock or bond or real estate, it's actually, most of it is owned in debt. Its value uh. comes from the burning of energy in the future, because most people have a 30-year mortgage. So we better be burning energy for 30 years to pay that home off. Or, uh, or the stock price is based upon future earnings. Well, you better have the energy in the future to, to keep that stock price up. The wow. difference is they are energy IOUs, stocks, bonds, and real estate. Energy IOUs, gold and silver are stored economic energy, and, and unfortunately, investors don't get that. I, some do. Innately, they may not understand the details of I have as I explain them, but they understand it's a good store value, and this is the issue why I look at the precious metals, even though it's kind of going back in time. I think the precious metals have never lost this store value. What happened ever since 1971, Doug and Joe, the the assets have been funneled away from gold and silver into stocks, bonds, and real estate. And away, and, and that's the reason why their values are so much higher, and gold and silver are are so much lower. But that will be reversed when the market cracks. Gotcha. And, See, and I, I I just want to say I love the way he explained that. Go ahead, go ahead, Joe. Um, we haven't really talked about this much on our show. Any thoughts on Bitcoin? Um, you know, this was something that that really hasn't been reported in the economy, but. Uh, it, it saw some some kind of a drop recently, but it's it it was almost at the same level as gold was. We know it's not a hard asset; it's it's a digital currency. It's at a thousand twenty eight dollars for one bitcoin right now. Any thoughts on on bitcoin? You know, it's interesting. Uh, when they first started producing bitcoins electronically, it took a lot of energy. From what I understand, gosh, the uh, the 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 amount of uh, data, the amount of, uh, let's say, computer power that it took to produce a Bitcoin. And now as, as there's less and less of them, it takes more and more. The thing about Bitcoin, it's an electronic currency. It's, it's amount of Bitcoins are, even though they're, they're rising, but they're not rising as much, they're locked in. You see, the difference between Bitcoin and gold and silver a lot of gold and silver, most of gold and silver, is traded on the exchanges. So when more people want to come in, more traders want to come in to gold and silver, the open interest increases. So we can increase the amount of contracts. They just go up and up and up and up. So it caps the gold price or silver price. If these people took a fraction of that money and tried to get into physical gold and silver, it's not there. 
it is there, but the price would skyrocket. Now, Bitcoin, so the one thing that Bitcoin does, yes, it does protect, it is kind of a store of value, but it's an electronic store of value. Uh, I'm not against Bitcoin, only only on the the, the, uh, the footnote is you have to have electronics and you have to have uh, the system running to, to allow Bitcoin to function. It's Whereas a cyber if, cryptocurrency. If, yeah. Yes, it, if things yeah. fall apart, you know, you see the thing about technology, you get a shovel, a good, a good uh, dig, a good uh, shovel you use in your garden. You throw it out a window, two-story window. It hits the ground. It's fine. You throw out a computer. You got to go buy a new one. Technology is very fragile. So, thing, technology, the more advanced it gets, the more fragile it is. And so, the servers that run the whole computer system in the United States need to be constantly updated every several years. And because of the heat, because of uh, just updating the system to be faster. And so Bitcoin functions if that system continues to work. And I'm not saying it won't, it. but if the system falls apart, I'd rather have real physical gold and silver than a Bitcoin. But I'm not against people owning Bitcoin, but I would, I would probably not, I for myself would not, be, uh, it would not be prudent to have a lot of my funds in Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I completely understand and agree. All right. Well, well, you know, I would trust, and I'm saying this honestly after researching and reading a lot of what you've written and re- what you've researched. Um, so I would trust you uh, over many other people in your industry, the the economy, uh, the economic commentators and such, because you look at everything through the EROI, the, the energy return on invested. Yeah, that's a fair statement, right? I mean, that that's kind of your, your uh, what, compass, if you will. Yes, because there's two ways they call it being accurate or being precise or being accurate and precise. It's like on a bullseye. There's a lot of analysts out there that are very precise. They can get their arrows very close together, but they're way outside the bullseye. I try to look at the analysis that is not only precise, but it's also accurate. They're they're tightly uh, together in the bullseye. And unfortunately, a lot of analysts, they're very specialized. The left hand does not know what the right hand is doing. And the energy, once you understand the energy, you understand how everything is working together. Even though, unfortunately, unfortunately a lot of people, they like, they like to look at conspiracy theories. Yes, conspiracy theories do take place. I believe that. But not everything is a conspiracy. There's this notion that by some analysts, there's two million, uh, there's two million tons of gold in the world. Well, I can't be. The world's only mined about 200,000 tons. I've looked at the data. It, it's just physically impossible. And if you look at how gold production has happened you know, over the last 2,000 years, gold production has gone exponential with oil. Population has gone exponential. Silver production has gone exponential. Copper production has gone exponential, all due to oil. So when you remove oil, then the whole thing falls apart. So if you look at the data on how much gold we produced, you know, since let's say uh, 2,000 years ago, it, it's about 180,000 tons. And, but there's analysts out there saying there's all this gold out there. So it's looking at the data, going in, in and trying logically looking at it. We we start 
we start uh, discerning between good conspiracies that actually have good merit uh, or and bad ones. And so yep. that's what I try to do. I try to look at the things in, in more accurate. And that's actually a reason why, Doug and Joe, I really favor the precious metals. Because yeah. um, I used to be upset when the price would go up and down. and, and uh, But it doesn't bother me anymore. Because if you're going to invest in things like people have a retirement account, they put their money away every month, every year. They look at it 20, 30 years. Or they pay off a house in 20, 30 years. Well, gold and silver should be done the same way. We shouldn't be concerned about these up and downs. But I would say... It, I would say within five years, it could be less, we could see serious fireworks, and it's all due to the energy. And, and that makes a lot of sense to me. When you apply uh, the behavior, even, it, and forgive my terminology, even if, or despite the manipulation, um, when you apply the, the energy factor there, um, I can understand this. I, I mean, it makes sense to me. So, Okay. Uh, here we are today, 2017. We see some artificially low prices of uh, silver and gold. Um, to me, by the way, uh, if it was a good buy at 30, it's an even better buy today at 1750 or whatever it might be in terms of silver and same same with gold. Um, now, I guess my question would be, and, and maybe this is something. I know you've touched on this in your writings, but in a system collapse, I guess we'll, we'll take the worst case scenario first. In a system collapse, those holding physical gold and silver, what role would that physical gold and silver play in a full-blown, holy cow, the bottom fell out, Venezuelan on steroids kind of collapse? And pardon me if that question sounded really stupid, but uh, or, or kind of convoluted. No, no, it's a good question. And uh, from uh, 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 from a precious metal deal that I uh, that I, I, I deal with, um, one of his one of his uh, clients had a brother who's a uh, minister, uh, and he was in Venezuela. He just came back from Venezuela. I think it was last year. One ounce of silver will get you in the country, I'm not talking in the city, one ounce of silver would get you six months worth of food off the farmer's land. You see, and one ounce of gold, from what I understand, would buy a modest home in, in the country. I'm not talking in the city. So uh, the issue is this, too. People don't understand what's going to happen when the energy the energy system really starts to disintegrate. The value of gold and silver will rise because there's not much of it there. There's not really much of it there. It, it, it'll go from what I call its commodity price mechanism, which is its cost of production and some supply and demand. And it will transition to its, its store of value because there's so, there's, such, there's so little bit of it out there that when investors try to get the gold and silver, that's what pushes their value up. And how, having a typical home in a suburb, you have to live somewhere. But that value is going to implode, as well as a commercial building, as well as stocks and bonds. So the issue is this. I can see in the future, and then all the vehicles, as you know, the, the vehicle industry is topping. There's so many people being put in these cars that are leased now, and, and these lease payments really aren't paying for the vehicle. 
Well, I see a time with this, there's just these vehicles everywhere. Pretty new vehicles, two, three years old, with no buyers. They, they, you know, they, they, people can't afford them because they can't make their payments. I see precious metal investors who have precious metals being able to buy things. I mean, it's just amazing what they'll be able to buy. And the thing is, they're going to have to. They're going to have to think of it this way too. You wouldn't want to purchase four hundred or five hundred thousand dollar home, even though you could afford it with very little gold or silver, because the values of the house has collapsed, but the metals have increased. Because you still have to heat and cool the darn thing. And so you have to start thinking of different ways. And probably you all discuss this on your survival. You know, places away from the big city and the country. I see homes that are maybe on a couple of acres. They have a little garden, orchard. Those are going to be the go-to places. You know, you don't want to you don't want to buy a, a big SUV, even though you could afford it with your gold and silver. You could, you know, you would want to buy a much higher mileage vehicle. So it, it's hard to kind of see how this unfolds, but. I do believe people owning precious metals will find these will be the folks that have the capital. And even though the system could fall apart in many different ways, it could be a Mad Max, it could be a slope, and then fast collapse, but I do believe there will still be economic activity, there will still be technology, a lot less of it, but those holding the precious metals will be able, will be able to afford more options. Better and options. that's what it's all about, options. That's what it's all about. Better yes, options than stocks, bonds, and real estate. Man, I'll tell you what, uh, in the, in the course of this, your appearance, you really smoothed out a lot of rough edges we had with respect to, to the economy and really put things in perspective. I just, uh, your insight is so valuable. And, and folks, that's why his newsletter, his website, uh, we're talking, when I say his, uh, obviously Steve St. Angelo, SRS Rocco report, uh, top notch information. All of this makes a lot of sense. Joe, you, uh, we're getting close to the, uh, top of the hour here to the point where I have to cut you loose. So he, uh, Joe and I, we had a list of questions to ask you. I think we only got through like uh, a third of them, but I'm going to kick it over to you, Joe, because I know you want to get yeah, this with one just, in. Yeah, with just two and a half minutes left, Steve, I got a question on the, the war on cash. Are we looking at, a, a, um, the incremental approach toward a cashless society, or is that just something that these globalists uh, hope for in the near future? Yes, you know, the, the globalists, I'll answer it in two ways. The energy return, the falling energy return on investment will gut the globalists the most, which is why I am less and less concerned about Big Brother and the surveillance cameras and the NSA because that takes a lot of energy. Cheap energy put the, uh, made central, made the United States, made the federal government function. But falling energy return on investment will totally gut it. It will gut big governments. It will gut Walmarts because Walmarts make a little bit of money, fractions of money on lots of sales. That whole, that whole economic model is destroyed by this falling energy return on investment. So that's that's how I look at it. This cashless society, we have to understand, not everybody's going towards that. Japan, they pay a lot of it. They believe in cash over there. They buy their cars in cash. They like cash. So it's not happening everywhere. But to go away from cashless, you need a high-functioning, highly technological system. 
that is not only powered by coal and natural gas, natural gas production is going to decline too, as well as the oil to run all this. I don't see a cashless society working. It's, I don't. I don't see it. I, I, I see them continuing to implement that, but I think it's going to hit a brick wall because of this falling energy return on investment. I mean, look at the Roman Empire. There was a million people in in Rome at one time. It fell down to like twelve thousand people. So uh, now it wasn't in the best interest of the elite of Rome to see that happen. Now was it? Because they made money on their real estate. They made money on on selling the the bread and the goods, whatever. So it wasn't in the, in the best interest of the elite to lose that lose that money, lose that wealth. But so that's why I'm not worried about the elite. And uh, even though we're going to continue to see this push for cashless society, uh, Doug and Joe. Over the next five, ten years, even if they advance it, I think it's going to hit a brick wall. Man, and if we pay attention to the energy, the energy is the key for people to look at to see how things unfold. Steve St. Angelo, thank you so much for your gracious gift of time. SRSRockoReport.com. Wow. Would you come back? I mean, would you ever? Uh, we'd love, we'd love to have you back sometime. Yeah, oh yeah, and the questions that I didn't answer, we can, if any of your listeners have any questions, and we can keep an update of what's happening. I mean, I, I can update what's happening in the energy industry and, and, and what's going on. And I think, I think it would be great to keep your listeners updated because, uh, looking at this information, we can get a better idea of, of when it's going to really start to fall apart. Absolutely. Invaluable service to our, to our listeners and viewers. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so very much. Again, we'll be in touch. Steve St. Angelo, srsrockerreport.com. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hagmanreport.com. You'll be back. Give us two minutes. We'll be right back. This terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. So thankful for each and every one of you who are listening to us. And now I want to give a special uh, hello and thank you to our law enforcement personnel, those uh, police officers who are listening to us. Thank you so much. And um, Officer Sean, if you're listening, if you happen to be listening tonight, just wanted to let you know that we're praying, praying for you, and we have been praying for you, and... Um, you know we're we're behind you 100% in praying for your safety and everything you do but all law enforcement officers if you're listening to this in your police cruiser and i know some are i just want to say thank you for what you do thanks thanks for your bravery you know it's um uh, it's been almost 30 years since i lost a good friend a shot on the job um uh, it's it, you know it, it it's oh man it's heartbreaking you know um, in fact this gentleman um, left a, a young wife and family um, nineteen ninety one I guess it's not quite thirty years but uh, nineteen ninety one he was shot in Houston three times lived for a little bit passed away he was wearing a vest but didn't help. So to all of our men and women in uniform, law enforcement on the streets of America, I just want to say we respect what you do and we thank you for what you do. But thank you for listening to this uh, to this broadcast. You could be doing a lot of things, but uh, listening to a lot of different uh, broadcasts. We have a lot of information to break down this hour, much information. Joe's been working. We've been following all sorts of leads whether it is from the so-called hacking situation, which is not the wiretapping, which is anything but, we've got a lot of valuable information to pass along this hour, and we're going to parse it out. Or uh, we are going to go through this as 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 completely as we can. Now, as we do this, let me ask you: Does this 
cause you restless nights sometimes? Does the news itself cause you restless nights at, at times? You know, my wife and I, we have, and the, the guests who come to our home, I will tell you, they and we sleep like babies. I mean, warm, comfortable, swaddled babies. Folks, let me tell you about the mattress that we use, my wife and I. Let me tell you about the mattress that's in our guest rooms, plural. Casper.com slash CFP radio. That's Casper.com slash CFP radio. If you go to HagmanReport.com, you can click on the link. But Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress that is sold directly to the consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. And folks, its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house. It's got a beautiful, sleek design, and it's delivered in a small, hey, how did they do that, box. It's just an amazing, the, the entire experience from purchasing to delivery to setup of your mattress is just, it, it's, it's just fun. In addition to the mattress, Casper also offers adaptive pillow and soft breathable sheets. These are the best sheets we have ever used. You know, in, in Casper.com slash CFB radio, they have an in-house team of engineers. They've spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. It combines supportive memory foam. Oh, it just hugs you for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, it it breathes. You know, none of these other mattresses do this in my view. But this breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. And it is so convenient to buy. Listeners, viewers, let me tell you, buying a Casper mattress, it's completely risk-free. They offer free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. They understand the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit. Especially, think, I mean, consider you're going to be spending a third of your life on it. Especially if it's a... In fact, I'd love to sleep more on it because it's that comfortable. Folks, Casper, the Casper, is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. With over 20,000 reviews, you can look this up in an average of 4.8 stars. It is rapidly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. And, And that's based on Casper, Amazon, Google reviews, and our reviews is five star. Lady, four paws up meaning five stars. Again, free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Folks, try Casper for 100 nights, risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up again and refund you everything. And let me tell you, as a special to listeners to the Hagman and Hagman Report, just for you, get $50 toward the purchase of any mattress by visiting casper.com slash CFP radio and using CFP radio as our coupon code. Now, terms and conditions apply, so you'll have to see the website. But do go to casper.com slash CFP radio and use 
our coupon code CFP Radio. One more time, that's Casper.com slash CFP Radio, and use our coupon code CFP Radio. You're going to love that. Oh, just try it. And, and I've gotten so many emails from people who have said, you know, that's the best mattress ever. But anyway, and, and Joe and Eric, uh, Eric, yeah, you, you, you got a Casper? Joe's got a Casper? Ladies got, I got a Casper? So come on in. All right. Now, a, a couple of things, Joe. Um, let me ask you about the, what we were talking about earlier about this wiretapping situation. You had found some things yesterday. You had sent me on this hunt. I'm digging down. I'm seeing things. And let me say this to everyone out there. If you don't think, okay, um, I had, I, I, just very quickly, I had a situation back in 2013 where I, I, I got a ring back on my telephone. I was speaking with a Fox News reporter. The con, that conversation ended with a call waiting okay in other words i was on the phone i was wrapping that conversation up a, a call another call came in i answered that phone call spoke with that person hung up the phone this is my office landline phone now and when i hung up the phone there was a ring back you know i thought it was a ring back folks you, you know about this right you've had them happen before especially i mean the older landlines well, I looked down at the caller ID at the phone system we had at the other office, and it said something to the effect of NSA Utah or NSA UTDTA COL Center. It, it, what it appeared to me is Utah Database Collection Center. Thinking of the NSA, and, and it was—it wasn't a ringback. What I thought was a ringback, but it was a ring. The phone actually rang. So, what do you do? I picked up the phone. Hello? <laughs> and I could hear a mechanical voice. It, it, it was, it wasn't robotic. It was more of a recording as opposed to mechanical, I suppose. Saying something to the effect of, uh, data capture successful. Now, I'm paraphrasing, okay? I thought, wow, this is pretty interesting. And that was it. So what do you do? I hung up the phone. I mean, I heard a click, and that was it. And I hung up the phone. And you know on most phone systems, well, I think on all systems, you're able to capture, you're able to retain the caller ID, right? Is my terminology correct? You're able to see yeah. on the caller ID? You should be able to. Right. right. So I figured, okay. Um, I looked, but... The what what showed up on the caller ID was gone. So I thought, all right, because ordinarily then you could take a like I could take a picture of that. And I've taken photographs very very recently of caller ID, but but there was nothing there. So you know how most phones have the redial button. You press the redial button. Well. That got the last person I called, obviously. Silly me. Anyway, to make a long story short, 
what would you think? Well, let me ask you folks. What would you think about that? What would that appear to you to be? To me, that was a mistake. To me, that, that, now, understand, I was talking with a Fox News reporter initially, and we were talking about Benghazi. Now, it had nothing to do with the second caller other than the fact that the, this happened after the second call. So let me ask you, what would you think? Was this a mistake? A warning? I don't know. Okay. But that's the kind of the bottom line. And I might have gotten some details, not 100% accurate. It's not intentional. But the reason I bring this up is this all came back to me when Joe had said, did you see this? And he showed me this PDF letter of... Uh, Larry Clayman. And what Larry Clayman had found over the last, what, couple of years in terms of NSA surveillance or what that letter represented, information in that letter represented, that was about a whistleblower that spoke about the NSA collection of everybody's phone calls of everyone's text messages, of everyone's um, computer stuff. And and I've heard people say, well, that's just, that's bunk. It's impossible. There's no way that they could possibly collect all of this information. It's just the metadata stuff. Well, come to find out, no, that's not true. There's a computer called the Hammer. Have you heard about this? The Hammer? It's capable of processing, what, 900, uh, 900 billion, whatever they do. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a beast of a computer. But it's able to capture all the data. Not just the digital metadata, but the voice, the content. Now, why is this important? This speaks directly to not just our loss of privacy. We know there is no more privacy. This speaks not just to the fact that everything that we do is being recorded. It certainly validates the there is no more privacy per James Comey. But more relevantly, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but this certainly implicates some people at some very high levels, not just, well, uh, in particular, within the Obama regime. If this began under Bush, this particular program. However, it's interesting because under Obama, you had Clapper, Brennan at toward the end um, as individuals key individuals who were executing on an intelligence level or from an intelligence perspective basis this massive collection of data what we're seeing today is validation by whistleblowers 
plural, and through um, investigative acts, whether it's Larry Clayman or others, coming out and saying, yes, this is all true. And Joe, please jump in here and um, anytime because I, I'm... Well, you I'm, certainly... Um, did, did I explain this correctly? I mean, kind of... Yeah, and you certainly um, know a lot about this, just probably as much as I do uh, from the, the research that you've been doing. As I haven't went through the, the PDF that, that uh, we both read separately and dug further into it today, but tomorrow I plan on doing this. But there's a, a few things that I think we need to to point out here. One... We have two Trump-related major stories going on in the news. One is right. the surveillance wiretapping claims of Trump. That's correct. By Obama or his administration or officials. And then part of that is also um, with some of these leaks and some of what the Intelligence Committee and, and Nunez talked about yesterday. The, there's a crime that's been committed here by the unmasking or the revealing of names from those intelligence-gathering um what would you call them? Uh, programs. Yes, and if you do not, if you do not listen yet to Greg Hunter's appearance from yesterday, Joe, he discusses the unmasking. And my question about that, and I, I rewatched those um, the Senate intelligence hearings. Number one, from the he, here's what here's my takeaway from those hearings. Greg Hunter's the our interview with Greg Hunter, our own research in house. Number one, um, DNI Clapper lied under oath. Number two, or DNI, just lied? No, lied under oath and lied, but well, lied. Let under me oath. ask you this: Is it a lie that um, if Clapper's asked what was Trump uh, targeted in surveillance, or was Trump surveilled, or it, just take Trump's name out of it, any American citizen surveilled, and he says no, knowing that this program that they have captures all right of electronic communications meaning he might not know the names unless they are unmasked but he knows that all electronic communications from phone calls emails texts uh even you know your webcam maybe yes. smiling, all that's collected and, and, and cataloged without the names being revealed would he be lying if he said no if he didn't know the names even though he knows yes. everybody's under yes okay. yes because the way and, and this is the important important thing the, the game, the word games that are being played. Um, th- this is, to me, shameful. But, yes, I truly believe, to this, speaking to the spirit and to the letter of the law, that D.N.I. Clapper lied to Congress under oath. That's number one. Number two, I do believe that D.N.I. Clapper, in tandem with John Brennan, and this goes back to uh, when he was with the Analysis Corporation and the National Security Advisor to Obama as Obama was running back in 2007 for the presidency. I believe that John Brennan was also involved in the collection at this time under this program, the very program that's in operation today of collecting the information, of collecting this, uh, of, of the surveillance. Privately via the analysis corporation, his private concern, and then for the government as the uh, director of the CIA. So you've got to, and you're correct. You've got a couple of things taking place here. You've got multiple, very critically important 
I mean, this for all the marbles, incredibly important things taking place. Yeah, the second thing is that is the 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 claims that have been ongoing for eight months now that Trump colluded with Russia. And I think yesterday after Nunez came out and the the head of the House Intelligence Committee came out and said, yes, there, there looks to be that Trump was and his and his uh, transition team were inadvertently. Uh, incidentally, of, incidentally, right. Part of intelligence gathering, um, monitoring that was collected, and that they may not have been targeting them, but through their correspondence with other people, they were caught up incidentally in the communications. And as soon as that came out yesterday, you had uh, uh, Schiff, the Congressman Schiff, Democrat. He blew a gasket. Yes, and then you have people like Pelosi come out and say, "Oh, you know, he's uh, he's protecting." Um, Trump, or he's a surrogate for Trump, or you know, all impartiality is gone now because he got this information, and didn't share it with the rest of the committee. That information was shared with the whole committee, from what I understand. At the same time, from what I understand, okay, um, I had to verify that. But however, but the, it, the, the it Russian doesn't, Trump it doesn't issue, matter. As soon as that Nunez came out and said yes, there was um, intelligence collected on Trump and his transition team. Yes, they came right back out, and this is a headline from from CNN from yesterday. And my, I got to restart this computer. Well, but uh, it's about Russia. Possibly, U.S. officials info suggest info suggest Trump associates may have possibly coordinated with Russia. Right. I added the possibly, um, and they <clears throat> there's one unnamed source. There's no evidence. There's never been any evidence. The only evidence that they produced was a fake dossier on Trump. And and, and please understand, so, you're you're right. Are and, they are they trying to Legitimize this the is a intelligence collecting through saying, "Well, he was being investigated for Russian ties, so it was legitimate." No, no I'm saying this are is they a trying to cover up the, the or or justify or excuse their their surveillance on the Trump. No, I don't believe so. I I, I believe I know and what would you're they asking. Be able to get away with that. No, they would not be able to get away with it. Not legally, they may be able to get away with it to the media, but not to the public. Well, that's the same difference. Not really. No, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you okay, here, here's here's what I believe is taking place. And again, this is uh, this represents hours of research, and this is why I have not come out with anything uh, new with respect to a couple of ongoing investigations. Is because uh, we've been neck deep in this. Here's what I think is taking place. I think that the allegations of Russian interference on the elections. And the and the um, allegations of of Don, President Trump being involved or any member of his team in in in, the, in in Russia or with Russia is their plan not to justify the surveillance but to take the eyes off of the surveillance and the unmasking, which is totally different because to justify it. Um, you'd have to admit it exists. They are saying, no, it didn't exist, and therefore they're not justifying that way. So they're, what they're saying is this is, uh, they're pointing us in the direction. It's kind of like the way they handled Benghazi. It's kind of like the way they handled uh, all of the Fast and Furious. But think about Benghazi. Benghazi, they pointed to this non-existent, obscure video as the uh, motive behind the attack, Okay when in fact it had nothing to do with anything that's the same uh game that they're playing here that the same tools that they're using so no it, it has nothing russia and donald trump and members of his team had there was no connection 
This is all to take the eyes away from the real crime. The real crime is the massive surveillance operation on not just us, which is bad, but specifically on the opposing candidate in in an election. This is where the real crime is, and it is my belief, based on my investigation, and I think Joe will share in my findings uh, here tomorrow or, or, or over the weekend, I truly believe that it was Obama, if not directly ordered, he was aware of the order, which perhaps came from Valerie Jarrett, I'm thinking that, um, and executed through Brennan, in particular Brennan. I believe that was Obama's go-to guy. The secondary, the uh, the co-conspirator or accomplice, in my view, was Clapper. And I think what we're going to see, um, because of the acrimonious relationship between uh, Obama and Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, I think that there is a um, third party go-between that kind of they were playing both the Obama and Clinton camps and I believe that was the uh, the Lynch Department of Justice which if you think back to the tarmac meeting could very well come into play so if you're following me on this you're okay the massive surveillance operation on all Americans and we can go ahead in the next segment if possible um if not the video maybe possibly the audio something Maxine Waters said yes back in 2012 yes. and if we can't get that working I will just uh, transcribe it all right, well, at least yeah, have the audio. Yeah. Because this is something from 2012 well, it, it, that everybody, it wasn't, it wasn't really relevant. I guess people weren't really paying attention. Maybe they just thought she was spewing off at the mouth like usual and having, having no idea what she's talking about. I was going to say, you, you might just want to read the, uh, the transcript only because of whatever issues we might have. But that. That's fair use. Okay. It was on an interview on but, TV. But what you, okay. But what you that particular um, news clip from Maxine Waters, folks, if you have not heard this, if you're saying, what news clip? Well, hang on to your shorts, because let me tell you something. What Maxine Waters said in 2013, it was 2013, right? 2012? 2012. Okay, 2012. What she said in 2012 will just blow your socks off because it, 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 what she said um, we're seeing happen today. I mean, she... Yeah. she it, and Fox it, News, I don't know if you saw this. Yeah. Had, not to interrupt, I know we're... No, that's a break. Fox News came out with an article um, for James Rosen wrote this article and this doesn't prove anything. There's nothing yet, but it's a potential smoking gun showing Obama administration spied on Trump team sources say. Mm. And I'm hesitant anymore. To rely on anybody else's sources. I don't care where it comes from. But the uh, Republican congressional investigators expect a potential smoking gun establishing that the Obama administration spied on Trump's transition team and possibly the president-elect himself will be produced to the House Intelligence Committee this week or tomorrow. And I believe this to be the case. We're talking about treasonous activity. But one source told Fox News this, so 
again with the sources. Uh, I just at this point I, I don't want to hear any more of the speculation. I just want to see whatever evidence there is to be presented. Amen. We but I do believe we will. I, I, I hope I hope I, we will too. Even I mean at this point I don't care. The truth just needs to come out, whatever that is. That's right. Um, because it's just getting so crazy anymore. It's sure, hard to even keep track. We'll be right back with our final segment after these messages. Stay with us. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's a, It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to AP major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changelessandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Welcome back, folks. 
us to the final segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, so much news. You know, the mainstream corporate, captured corporate media, the Illuminati mass mind-controlled corporate media, is not going to be telling you about this. They're not going to be telling you about Larry Clayman's, um letter to Nunes about the, hey, about Montgomery. Does any of this ring a bell to you? We're going to be we're going to be laying this out in an investigative report, uh, but many uh, other websites have uh, at least touched on it. But but the fact of the matter is, Attorney Larry Clayman, the founder of Freedom Watch, and by the way, I cannot believe how many conservatives have taken him to task. Uh, you know, saying ah, you know, it's, it's conspiracy nut. It, it just it, it it really boggles the mind. But but what Larry Clayman did was um, he represented a gentleman by the name of Montgomery, last name Montgomery, before federal judge Royce Lamberth. Clayman, who characterizes client Montgomery as a whistleblower, okay, I'm looking over here at my screen, told Fox News that Montgomery turned over six. Now listen to this: six hundred million plus pages of information to the FBI. But the bottom line is there was a, a CIA or a contractor for the CIA who materialized and sought whistleblower status 18 different times but was denied whistleblower status, saying, look, I've got 47 hard drives. I've got 900 million uh, pages of information that proves everyone in America is under surveillance. Essentially, I've got the proof that, remember the story I related to you about the NSA, about me? Okay, which was, it could have been a fluke, it could have been, you know, who knows what that was. But to say, oh my gosh, you're out of your mind, you're just full of beans, that didn't happen to you. Well, you know what, look, I can't prove it, I don't have photographs, okay, but I, I did I, I did provide a sworn statement and a sworn affidavit to, to the exactly basically telling you what I what I or on my affidavit what I told you. So my question is: Is it that far of a stretch to think that everybody in America, including and especially people like Donald Trump, including Donald Trump and his family, or even Virtually no one's, no, nobody's like, like us are under surveillance. Of, of course it's not a stretch. It's happening. And the loss of civil liberties. Remember the church committee in 19, what, 74, I believe it was, or 75, saying, you cross that abyss. There's no, there's no turning back. The abyss of, where everyone loses their privacy, where everyone is under surveillance. He saw it coming, and he warned us about it. And the players in the CIA, the intelligence community, have taken us across that abyss. And Larry Clayman, Freedom Watch, Judicial Watch, stood up and said, hey, I've got the proof to Devin Nunes. I've got the proof. Here it is. In fact, this, by the way, the Montgomery uh, information in the ancillary parts to that—that's that's a year old plus. And oh yes, by the way, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, 
uh, Mike Zulo were specifically targeted, but so were all of their, the residents of their of, of their county, Maricopa County. But, but the bottom line, it's out of control. Everything you do, say, is being recorded and stored. And this is intolerable in a free society. It's no longer a free society. The church committee, he was right. They were right. They were correct. Now, you want to hear a a bit of, shall we say, creepy, spooky, predictive, (laughs) this is what's going on? I don't know if it was so much predictive, but this is an obscure audio of Maxine Waters from an interview from 2012 or early 2013 during the beginning of Obama's second term. Uh, go ahead and play it there. Made clear to, to, to our viewers and yes. listeners is that, look, this is the inauguration represented the beginning of his second term. Yes. But it also represented the countdown of the end of his presidency. That's right. And the reality is, uh, like anything else, you better get what you can while he's there because, look, come 2016, that's it. Well, you know, I don't know, and I think some people are missing something here. The president has put in place an organization that contains the kind of database Mm -hmm. that no one has ever seen before in life. That's going to be very, very powerful, and whoever... In terms of the Organizing for America that he's now shifting to become a 501c4. That's right, that's right. And that database will have information about everything on every individual in ways that it's never been done before and whoever runs for president on the democratic ticket have to deal with that they're going to have to go down with that database and the concerns of those people uh, because they can't get around it and he's been very smart I mean it's very powerful what he's leaving in place and I think that's what any democratic candidate is going to have to deal with so a secret database Obama has put in place a secret database with everything on everyone. Uh, uh, can we be, look? This is so important. Can we play that one more time? And you could. Oh, you just close it. That, that's that's all right. right. No, then, then you know what, folks, go back and listen to that again. Because um, yeah. to me, you're you're right. It's not predictive. It's informational. It's saying, okay, this is what. Oh, and, and isn't it interesting that that she credited, and I don't believe this is accidental, but she credited Obama, not the intelligence agencies, but she credited Obama. Mm-hmm. Now, apply that to what we're seeing today. Five year, Four years later, five years later, we'll say, apply that to what we're seeing today. With the hammer that collects every bit That's of right. intelligence from every American who uses any type of electronic communication device. And the hammer is the name of this supercomputer that is under the control of the intelligence community, the NSA. Um, you can find information if you just simply search the hammer uh, plus or and NSA you'll find various reports on this. So, now, getting back to the relevance today, the globalists do not want to see Donald Trump to finish his term. They want to delegitimize, and as we said, even months before his election, they want to cast doubt on the legitimacy of his presidency, and that's exactly what they're doing. 
they're using the information or they're using the allegation that he's a Russian operative in the White House. And isn't it a matter of projection as opposed to accuracy? Because who really, out of, out of both candidates, meaning Hillary, Diane Rodham, the witch, the Yak Clinton, or Donald, President Donald Trump, who really was the uh, coziest to the Russians? If you look at the Clinton Global Initiative and the, and the Clinton Foundation, you, you see her influence as Secretary of State. But you also see something really, really interesting, and that's William Jefferson Clinton getting paid a lot, and I mean a lot of money for speeches, air quotes now, speeches on behalf of the Clinton Foundation. Why? Was it because he was such a great speaker? No, that money purchased influence, government influence. Even though he was out, and Greg Hunter said something out of the government, Greg Hunter said something very interesting yesterday, and I don't know how many people caught this, that it is Obama and Clinton who are the considered the heads of the Democratic Party today. Now, when you, when you, when you think about that, despite the fact that you've got Perez in there as head of the DNC, Okay, we understand that. Now, it, it, it doesn't matter because we're talking about globalists in general. Well, it does to the extent that you still have partisan battles taking place. Even, it's not just for theater, it's beyond that as well. So, bottom line here, you've got this, this group of never-Trumpers that include Republicans that include conservatives and independents and most assuredly progressives once known as democrats or socialists once known as progressive democrats so you've got this team determined to take out president donald trump they are contaminating if the united states or if the world Think about think about it this way. A high-profile case. You've all seen them in your hometown. If you watch the news, the local news, you've all seen the high-profile murder case in your hometown, haven't you? What does counsel do that's so significant in a high-profile case? And so critical, and people don't realize what they're doing. They're contaminating the jury pool. They are actually acting as agents or, well, they're advocates. And it depends on which side they're on. But they are planting the narrative in the minds of the consumers of the news or the people who listen to this. This is why the Rachel Maddows and the Lawrence O'Donnells and the um, other media personalities are so dangerous. Because what are they doing? 
they are planting the seeds of doubt about the legitimacy of President Donald Trump and all of his people around him to the American people and to the world when in fact that doubt of legitimacy should be bestowed upon Barack Hussein Obama and Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton Obama for his eligibility and for his bona fides leading up to and including his stint as a junior senator senator and then ostensibly the president Hillary Clinton as her time as the first lady or co-president secretary or senator of New York secretary of state and then presidential candidate but if you think about what happened with the Clinton Foundation the money flowing into Bill Clinton through the speeches the money flowing into the foundation to uh, and especially in from Russia okay into the foundation never investigated by Comey not one time oh well yeah we, there's an investigation you know again in air quotes we're looking into it have you ever seen police departments or government agencies slow walk investigations this is what we're seeing this is so critical this is the biggest folks I I will say this this is the most important story of our lifetime the reason this is the deep state coup against the American people. This is for all of the marbles. I cannot overstate how important this is. And then you've got these smaller little things going on. You had the Awan brothers in the House of Representatives operating the IT division, working for some say 31, others 50 House members. The three Pakistani Awan brothers, a fourth in the wings, and two wives. You've got a, so you got a total of five Pakistanis in the House of Representatives working for upwards of four dozen House members, three key committees, the Senate House Intelligence or the uh, the uh, House Intelligence Committee, the Department of uh, the Homeland Security Committee, and the Foreign Affairs Committee. Three key committees, including oh, and by the way, Jackie Spear, the House member who was commenting on the Russian influence, she was the one that was banging the drum to secure top-secret compartmentalized access for the Awan brothers when right before, six months before, they were walked out, escorted out of the U.S. Capitol due to an alleged procurement scam. Go to go to uh, HomelandSecurityUS.com, read the report on that. And if you'd like to comment on it, go to CanadaFreePress.com. And there's more coming on that. But that was one. 
under the umbrella, under the larger umbrella of what we're talking about. But I, look, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if if I've made sense, if you if you can see, grasp the enormity of this, and if I have not, if I have not done a done a good job of, because I'm not working from any notes, I'm just working from just from what we've what we've investigated. I hope you can see the enormity of what's taking place here. The treason, the sedition, the people, oh, the unmasking as well as Joe mentioned. Okay, so you've got the the criminal act of unmasking. If you go back and watch that five-hour marathon, well, five-hour, I shouldn't say marathon, the five-hour uh, testimony of, of Comey and, and Rogers, and Trey Gowdy asking who is responsible for unmasking, and of course you, you can see the suspect pool narrowing as the as the questioning continues. Now, uh, my questions would have been a little bit different. I think this is like five times I watched this already. Um, but when you every time you watch it, you can see little things, certain things, a few more things. I guess what I'm saying to you is. Uh, the, the there's something coming there in the next 10 days i guarantee you there will be a revelation in my view a revelation so powerful and so undeniable that will indict i'm not talking about legally indict i'm talking about implicate or otherwise point to the lynch department of justice Individuals such as Brennan, Clapper, Ben Rhodes. This is in my personal opinion, not professional opinion, based on my investigation. Okay, I'm not. I'm, I, I, I'm not saying these people are guilty of anything. I'm saying my investigation is telling me to look at these people. Ben Rhodes, White House Communications Director. Loretta Lynch, Sally Yates, James Clapper. John Brennan, Valerie Jarrett, Donna Brazil, who is also working for CNN, Obama, to a lesser extent, but you have to know Obama isn't he? One thing he isn't is stupid. One thing he is not is is stupid. But those individuals working in tandem with the DNC and the Hillary, oh, okay, and the, the, the obvious, the Hillary Clinton and uh, Huma Abedin, and individuals within the embedded press, and this is important. As a candidate, she had... Uh, press people that traveled with her there are three at least three individuals in that press embedded press group who I would be taking a very close look at with respect to the leaks and unmasking I should have said that in in the context of 
of uh, Comey Clapper or uh, and, and Comey, by the way. But uh, and one and, more, Andrew McCabe. Sorry, I I want to make sure I got all those names in. So you had McCabe and Clap uh, and Comey at the end is what I added. A few questions uh, as to what you think could happen here. One, will they fabricate any evidence to try to make Trump look like he colluded with Russians? We know they already have. We know that they have already um, placed, you know, malicious malware on Trump computers that were made to look or to mimic that Russian banks were were talking with uh, Russian entities were talking uh, to yeah. Trump Tower, and those have actually come out and been, been shown to be. Uh, malicious malware. Okay, let, let me stop you there. I don't think they'll fabricate it. I think they will misrepresent it. And there's a big difference. They okay. will take, okay, it's, um, again, let me repeat that. I don't believe that they will fabricate evidence, but I believe that they will misrepresent the evidence. They'll take it out of the context in which it was. And you made a good point right there. The, uh, the server that showed the communication with, uh, uh, th- uh two banks and, and, uh, and the health service, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's what you're referring to, right? And with the first Vault 7 uh, release, it actually came out that these um, hackers or intelligence agencies are able to misrepresent where an attack, a hacking attack came from, or misrepresent just about anything on the computers. Misdirected and the attribution. SoundCloud uh, files that you were listening to uh, earlier today about the hammer, they go on and talk about, well, how would you um, set somebody up to get in trouble? And the guy says, I would plant child pornography on his computer and then report on to the FBI, and they would come and find that. And, and if you if you read the, uh, Cheryl Atkinson, who used to work for CBS, her book Stonewall, she explains how uh, her computer, she was using, I believe, one Apple, one PC, but nonetheless, uh, Cheryl Atkinson had written about how not only did the government, now this is my words, um, hack into her computer, but they deposited three files on a very obscure section of her hard disk that were classified. And this is what this is. What is now? You want to talk about fabricating evidence? This is more, or this is more setting someone up. But I do believe that that this does take place. So, when, for example, if someone wants to destroy if someone let's say i i'm a i'm a i'm a big muckety muck in the cia and i want to and, and i know all about computers and i want to destroy uh doug and joe hagman well, what are we going to do we're not going to just hack into their system and, and suck up all their information we're going to leave a couple of really we're going to leave a couple of files on their hard drive they won't find them Okay, because it's you know it's going to be they're going to be hidden within uh, the, some of the operating system files, but we're going to hide those files. So in the event that the FBI or some government agency takes their computers, they'll say, "Hey, look at this! You've got you've got three or four classified files on your computer." This is what they did to Cheryl Atkinson, and this is it, it, or child pornography or whatever, whatever, crime, yeah. right? But, but but you see, one and and one more thing too, and this is important. If you remember the description that Comey gave about about the um, hacking of the DNC computer system, and where they weren't even in, in, even um, the FBI was not allowed to look at the DNC's computer system. Nor are seven they- months, according to to Comey. It, 
the Comey said, uh, Comey testified that they, he notified the DNC. He said, hey, you got a problem here. There's evidence of, 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 uh, what he called, well, of hacking into the DNC computers. And it could have been attributed to Russia based on the loud, noisy, cumbersome rattling, you know, of, it was obvious that they wanted, whoever it was wanted to, to leave the idea that Russia was hacking the DNC. Okay. So Comey said, I, I, I called the DNC, I notified him. And Gowdy asked, uh, I think it was Gowdy, he said, well, well, what happened? And he said, well, you know, it, um, they wouldn't cooperate. Well, yeah, they wouldn't, they, they didn't give up their, their, their computers. However, their IT people took a look at it. And if you listen to what Comey said, he said, their IT people provided our agents with a suitable, um, uh, uh, suitable, uh, suitable evidence. Okay. okay. Um, instead of the, instead of the computers themselves and allowing the FBI to have access to, the DNC provided a suitable alternative to the evidence. Oh, really? Since when is that good enough in the FBI? That's so important. But then Gowdy asked uh, Comey, would you have done anything different? And, uh, Comey said, yeah, I would have, like, pounded on the door myself and said, you know, early on, had I known what I know now. Meaning all this to say, dog and pony show here. Okay, we're all getting hosed. And this, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's so transparent and to think people like well yeah I mean it should be any investigator or and you don't even have to be an investigator any person of reasonable intelligence can see man we're being played the FBI is getting played perhaps willingly or at least that's the way they make it seem you know are they incompetent I don't believe for a minute they're incompetent but if they could pass it off as saying boy we should have done things a little differently so that you know, has, become, yeah. has become a political tool of partisanship more so than an investigative body. The FBI right now, and I'll tell you this, um, the FBI is holding a lot of cards. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it because I think, you know, I think Roger Stone uh, tomorrow, uh, I do because he's he, he was the subject of the House Intelligence Committee, I do hope he is, does have the time to, we schedule for tomorrow night. For um, an hour, yep. Yeah, so, uh, I, I, hopefully we'll get into this with him tomorrow night. But, um, but folks, this is, this is one, uh, this is the most important story domestically, politically. It is not, Russia did not hack into the computers. It no, is what not about Russia. What computers they have hacked into? I mean, the, what, the what could they have hacked exactly. into? Exactly. They already showed there's no hacking. Now they're just talking about collusion. And there's no collusion. It's that's just a total uh, red herring. Hacking. Now well, it's just collusion. And, and I don't. I, but I don't believe for one moment that that Russia hacked the DNC computers. It made it the, the misdirected attribution made it seem that way, but I don't believe that to be the case. If I remember and, correctly, and I, wasn't it leaked? Wasn't that information leaked by that, one of the Democratic was, exactly staff members? Exactly. Not a hack, but a leak. And this is where George Webb, who was on our program before, has done a great job. Go check out the George Webb series on YouTube. Where is Eric Braverman? It's a whole bunch of videos. Just a fantastic investigative series. He gets into this. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. We've reached the end of our time tomorrow night.
Uh, we will be joined by Roger Stone in hour number two, and I still have an incomplete schedule in front of me from earlier this month. Um, Kevin Ship also, he'll be on tomorrow. And I'm not sure if we have a third guest or not, but even just with Roger Stone and with Kevin Ship, former CIA officer, it's going to be gonna a be good. show. That's right. So until tomorrow, stay safe, God bless, have a great evening. We'll see you.